Everybody, <laughs> welcome to I like to movie movie. That's the numeric two. And you know what to do? Drop a bone tomahawk on us. Bone tomahawk yeah. to you. Brawl and cell block ninety nine to you. And now I can say, drag yourself across some concrete <laughs> over to your listening devices, which you are already doing. Welcome to I like to movie movie. My oh. name is Andy Elijah, and I've been tasked with the prospect of opening this show up to. All you fine, sexy people. I don't flute know why flute benders. Sexy. Yeah. Flute we benders. Yeah. We have sexy Bone listeners. tomahawk to you, my little flute benders. Oh, yeah. That's what you Boner say. tomahawk. And uh, I am here, and I will pass this one over to your actual esteemed hosts. Garrett <laughs> uh, Swim. Dan Scully. This is like that one sketch that we made. Remember we did that sketch that was like, we're interviewing a new host for I Like to Boot. Oh, Remember? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, uh, thanks for tuning in. We thought it'd be funny to throw Andy to the wolves there, yes. but uh, uh, thanks for thanks for tuning into this. But yeah, we, we brought off. Andy in because he picked our yes. movie this week. Indeed, he did. And so we're putting all of the pressure on you. But yeah. Yeah. before we get started, uh, you can find us. Uh, yes. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave some reviews, do whatever you want, doodle a picture, <laughs> do text it want. to me. Yeah. You know, interact. That's yeah. all we want to do. I don't give a fuck if you listen. Just subscribe. You can exactly. delete it as soon as it shows up. I don't care. <laughs> we want numbers. We don't give a shit about you. Oh, good. No, we do give a yeah, shit yeah. about you, and you're all great, and you're all sexy, and I love you. We that actually should just become part, part of the intro now, like just you announcing that we don't care about anybody. <laughs> I don't like, care yeah, yeah. about you. The choice no, is I yours. I think yeah. our problem is we care too much. Yeah. Guys. Wait, oh, what's that from? That just rang a bell. What care too much? Oh yeah, that's from um, uh, uh, Observant Report. Ronnie, your problem is you care too much. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Why would I want to blow up a Chick Fil A? It's fucking it's delicious. Fucking delicious. <laughs> Love that movie. Man, that movie's goddamn brilliant. So good. Well, welcome guys. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, here we are Join on the us. eve of what is going to be the lamest Oscar celebration of all time. Oh my god, that's right. Um, really, a, a crack lineup of mediocre films. A couple <laughs> decent ones littered throughout, and just like such a turbulent season yeah. that like everyone including the nominees are fucking over it i really <laughs> it's I, insane i love that this is the first year where it's like you know it always feels like there's a long time between the actual end of the year when the oscars oh, yeah. happen this feels like the first year where it's been long enough that everyone's gone like yeah you know what i don't like any of this yeah, like this none of these just, nominees are good stinks. like everybody's had too long the to oscars think about it this mistake. year yeah yeah you know, though, I think that the the silver lining to this year's the Oscars, linings playbook the is. silver linings playbook to this year's Oscars is that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, uh, the right the right lesson will be taken from it, and it's that they're fucking stupid, and they always have been. Yeah. As much as we all love them, if we treat them like they don't matter, they'll stop mattering, and yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I want. I want Black Klansman to win, and yeah. then I want it to never matter again. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. Uh, I still am really I want Olivia Coleman to get her Oscar, and then we we peace out. I I. I Still don't understand why, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice were nominated. Like biopics, I, I that's get, all I can think. I get Green Book because it's like pretty pandering, but yeah. I do not get Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice. Like they're just straight up not good movies. Like they're entertaining. Mm. I, I don't 
I don't hate them while I'm watching them, but they when it ends, I'm just like it disappears into the mist. Yeah. yeah, you don't think they're pandering I'm, in their own ways? Like they're, they're definitely pandering. Music biopics tend to be, uh, oh, for you sure. know, a, a, a for sure Oscar better. I think that's why I came down soft on Bohemian Rhapsody. Like fuck Brian Singer, I'm completely like yeah. on board with that. Like he's yeah. definitely a monster. Um, I think it's cool to honor the other people who worked on yeah. the movie. It's a shame that it's a shitty movie. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I came down soft on that movie because I watched it and about midway through. I was like, oh, it's your standard biopic <laughs> yeah. that all yeah. biopics are. Yeah. It's like so standard to the degree that it's just the, the standard. The funny thing, though, is that it really wasn't any. Um, I also watched like the Tupac biopic that came out a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And oh, I remember you kind of liking that. Yeah, I thought it was like I basically felt about the same way as I do Bohemian Rhapsody, but mm. you know, no one like that could have just as easily under the standards that Bohemian Rhapsody was nominated for Best Picture. That could have just as easily oh, been yeah. nominated, yeah. but you know, that was completely forgotten. And then you yeah, drop yeah. back to like straight out of Compton, not getting love, and it's right. like that was actually better than both. That was, was definitely like, that was better. actually a legit yeah. good movie. Yeah, um, F. Gary yeah. Gray is a. Good. That's who oh, directed yeah. that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He did that. He did Fate of the Furious yeah. and the Ita- the Italian Job. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what was the? He did something recently. Did he do Ocean's Eight? No. No, that Gary was uh, Ross. That was a different Gary. Different, different Gary. Oh, <laughs> Gary oh, okay. Ross. That's, that's why. F. Yeah. Gary Ross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. What? What was? Uh, F. Gary Gray did something very recently. He's got. There's a trailer out that he, he's he... got a, the new Men in Black movies. Yeah, that's, yeah, what, that's, it what, that's what it is. That's what it is. Should be pretty legit. Yeah. That looks pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And then he did Set It Off in the '90s, which is really good. Oh, I remember yeah, Set It Off. I don't know if you ever. Maybe I've seen that. I can't remember. You did you have TNT? Yeah, you probably I, saw, I saw it. it. Yeah, I've seen it. You saw that and Race the Sun back <laughs> to back. Do you guys remember Race the Sun? Nope. No. Halle Berry with the solar powered racing car for I don't know. No. It was it was like Warm Runnings. It was yeah. just the opposite. <laughs> it was like that kind of thing. It's a hot, you know hot not hot runnings but warm yeah runnings. warm runnings. Well, yeah. That's the opposite of cool. Yeah, hot yeah. is not the opposite of yeah. Cool. It's not cold runnings. Yeah, yeah right. It's not cold <laughs> pursuit. Oh, I'm dying to see that movie. Yeah, I that sounds too. cool. Well, you can watch the original. Um, I know, I want In to. Order of Disappearance yeah, or something yeah. like that is on Netflix, and I hear yeah. that that's good, too. Yeah. Where we meet Nils, was it Nils? Is it, isn't it in the original? It's Nils Dickman. Yeah, and, and then the new Nils one is Coxman. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you guys see Alita? Batlangel. 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 That's what I've been calling yeah. it. Alita. There, have you seen Batlangel. it? No, I have not seen it, is, it yet. It is such a James Cameron script that at two different times, at some point, somebody goes like, oh, she looks, she's got the face of an angel and she can battle like a warrior. Yeah. Like, there's like... There's, it's like, it's <laughs> such, you know, for better and for worse, it is a James Cameron script, yeah, yeah. like, through and through. Yeah. Well, but, like, that's, the other thing is, like, I love James Cameron. Yeah. And even when he's indulging his worst tendencies, like, that's a little bit what I love about him, too, you know? Yeah. I really um, still just want to know, like, why, what happened to James Cameron? Like, in the Well, last- he's making Avatar movies. But just like why, you know? But no, even, no, Andy, even before he's that, making Avatar movies. <laughs> but he had thirteen years. Yeah, he's got Avatar. seven Avatar movies to make. Wait, what was Jesus the quote Christ. from South Park? He says like James Cameron doesn't do this for James Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron does it because he is James Cameron. <laughs> like that was his explanation as to it was something like that. But yeah. it's like. He's another one. Like I'm pretty sure James Cameron's probably a fucking animal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I blame him for Octopi suddenly deciding to walk on land. (laughs) He breached nature's contract trying to go deeper than it. Fuck off. Make an alien movie, you dingus. But, uh, but like you know. But at the same time, like when someone's like James Cameron went deeper than anyone in the ocean, I'm just like, (laughs) oh JC, what are you doing? (laughs) 
What Isn't is that? Doing? Yeah. Why? <laughs> when is Avatar two coming out? Never. I, I assume. <laughs> I mean, literally, there's four more. I mean, what? Like, what's happening? I guarantee somehow only Avatar four will come out, and the rest will get yeah. like scrapped or lost to time. Well, I'm Seems freaked right. out because the next one's supposed to be all underwater. Yeah. And ah. Well, <laughs> I'm not about to do that shit. I, I mean, I'm going to do it, but I, I, I really don't like I agree, octopi. but he, in, in, in defense of that, which I can't believe I'm about to defend it because I like literally have no interest in Avatar 2, the one guy that has made like some decent movies that take place underwater yeah. is James Cameron. Yeah, oh yeah. And I actually, that was one of the things I really liked about Alita, that one scene where she's got to like go underwater to like get oh, in, like that was so actually cool. looks really good and like the weight and physics of it. And it's like, if that's some fucking James Cameron technology being used to... Hey, he's a, a Christopher you know Nolan, saying? but like, on the yeah. digital front, where yeah. it's like, this guy wants to push the form. Yeah, yeah. And I can appreciate yeah. that, even if the scripts are weak. It's, so I don't know. If it looks like that, like I might be in. Yo, how how awesome did the moon battles look? Oh, dude. That shit was some of the best imagery I've ever seen. That that movie looks incredible. Yeah. You, Alita is really worth seeing. I think what you said is, is spot week. on. If there was ever a movie with room for floating head syndrome, oh, it's that. Yeah. And there is not a drip. It never happens. Never happens. It's crazy. And there's literal, fully digital characters yeah. with human faces, and and it doesn't have that it, flow, it, which you know even affected Avengers. And it's yeah, like, yeah, this is it's unreal. Ed's screen looked awesome. It, he was terrifying. Yeah, incredible. It was yeah. It's it. The effects in that are amazing. Okay, but so let's talk about a so, much smaller movie. Molestation. Smaller movie. <laughs> Here we go. Childhood <laughs> trauma. Trauma. Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Body I watched the, uh, the, score. the Academy Award live action shorts, mm. and the year, this year's theme yeah. is just kids in fucking trouble. Oh, boy. And so it's, a, it's really a peril towards children, uh, Almost all of them. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. So this is a this is a nice respite from that. Yeah. But it was uh, it was peril of of slightly older children. <laughs> well, thank you guys very much for uh, for agreeing to yeah to watch and review this movie together. It's been on my um, list for such a long time. I know right. it's so highly regarded as you know an icon of both you know early two thousands indie cinema of queer cinema of JGL as a as a young you know like yeah. He's no longer that kid from a third rock. Third from rock the sun. From the, I always want to call excellent. it Thirty Rock from the Sun, <laughs> Angel, or Angels in the Outfield. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's excellent in this movie. Yeah. He's excellent. He is incredible. And yeah. what a thankless and difficult role to play. Yeah, because he's got to play a guy who is traumatized and, to a degree, or at least, is convinced that he kind of likes the trauma. It's there's yeah, a lot and going is, on there. is sort of passing it on to the world around him. There, are, yeah. there are yeah. so many layers at play in yeah. his performance, and and he does an incredible job. Um, well, let's talk about you. Yeah. You brought this up yeah. a few months yeah. ago and said i've been thinking about this a lot i want to do it on the show and tell us about where that came well, from so i remember i first saw this movie um so i work as a creative arts therapist um as specifically music therapist and i looked i saw this movie my first year of grad school and you know so a lot of grad school in general part of the work is you know working with people who have trauma and uh part of so i like you, Dan, had been meaning to see this movie for a while, and I went to my local uh, video store at the time. I rented this at a at an independent video store, believe Tape. it or not. No, uh, DVD, uh, Video American in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Was it which a is DVD that now had, like, closed. the cardboard fold-out sleeve and the little little clip on the side? Uh, Ooh, I, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't, I don't I even know what those. you're talking about. I hate having those in my com- collection. Oh, yeah. You know how like some DVDs oh, yes. came in a nice yes. full plastic shell, but some were just like cardboard that then had a little plastic flap that clipped over? 
Uh, like the the rental cases, you mean? Mm, no, it's like it was a. It, it's like a black edge on the right side that you pop open like a door, and then oh, the liner that, notes no. fold out, but they're attached. And no, no, fucking hated Fuck those. That. No. no, no, absolutely not. So I got it from a Video American in Tacoma Park, which is no longer with us, unfortunately. R.I.P. Um, and just watched it, and it really blew me away. Um, and because probably because of the subject matter, you know, I would meet have some friends who had seen it before um, and who, who loved it. Like my friend Jacob also agrees. It's like one of the best movies of the century so far, which, which I agree. I think I, when I did my list last year, I put it at number three, oh, but nice. um, yeah. So uh, right behind broke back mountain and Zodiac. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Zodiac. I just remember thinking, man, this, this is an incredible movie that, you know, I think has a reputation, um, has a positive reputation in the film community, but also that, has been kind of underseen and isn't really talked about as much in highly regard as like one of the better movies of the century so far. And it's a hard movie to convince other people to watch as mm-hmm. well. And it's when you've seen it, it's kind of like you witness something so intense and so emotional and so devastating that you sort of like want to share it with other people, if mm. that makes sense. And because I know you guys and I know your taste, I kind of just thought, oh man, like, Oh, you haven't seen this movie before? I would love it if you guys did and if we could talk about it. I think yeah. even regardless, so I appreciate you guys. If you're a film person, for... oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think a film person would would do themselves a favor to study it even just from a craft perspective. Yeah. Well, even if the the subject matter, you know, is troubling to say the least. Um so I don't have a hard I, uh, time recommending it to people, but I think if there were like a film nerd that hadn't seen it, I'd be like, "You should, you should yeah. make time for it." This is not a film that I feel like I would really recommend to to anyone, really. <laughs> well, no, I know. Like, I I feel bad phrasing it this way, but this is really how I feel about this movie. And there's only a few other movies I can think of that I I felt this way about. I probably could have done without seeing it. I probably will never see it again. Yes, but. It is exceptional in like every way, and I am very glad to have had the experience of watching it. Mm-hmm. Even if ultimately, like, I don't know that I needed to see this movie, but in seeing this movie, like, there is so much value to watching it. I think, and truly, is like a like a really remarkable movie in like pretty much every regard. Yeah. See, I want to. I would actually like to watch it again because it is like terrifically entertaining if you can. It, it stomach. is. I mean, yeah. subject the characters are really, so compelling. Characters are so good, yeah. and and just the angle that it takes is is one that that I I just you know like uh, what's the word? Sexual movie. abuse is something that is very often explored in movies, and it's done well and it's done poorly. Yeah, and really, there's a there's yeah. a scale of it, and this is one that's done well, but in a way that that I think like lightning in a bottle to take this angle and do it well. I, it probably hasn't happened outside of this, and I would like to rewatch it and study why that is. I yeah. think that's where the value is to me. Is like, and I also there's also like the 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 perverse movie watcher in me would love to show it to somebody and just watch what they do in response to yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. I want to real quick uh, just read the just to get my own bearing straight. Just read the IMDb plot description. Real yeah, quick, oh, good that's cool. We should actually do that more often. Yeah. On the show. <laughs> Wait, but I think it's, it's not. I think it's actually but... hilariously like vague about what this oh, movie yeah, is yeah. about. Well, there's 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 two different ones. Yeah. One is very vague, and one is extremely specific. So I'll read the vague one. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll read the specific yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. Written by anonymous, a teenage hustler and a young man obsessed with alien abductions cross paths. 
together discovering a horrible liberating truth. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that's the one that uh Tori, my partner, read before watching this movie. I was like, and I I warned her that you had sort of provided a trigger warning to Dan right. and I. Absolutely. So I gave her the same one and she was like, I'll, I'll let me read about it and I'll see if it's something I want to watch. And, and she did watch it with me, but she was like yeah, it's weird. I read the description online, and it does not indicate what you warned me about. Nope. And nope, it leaves out the together discover. Only one of them actually goes yeah. through the discovery. Yeah. The other That's one just point. goes through uh, recontextualization well, of what it means to him as he enters adulthood. Well, I would let's come back to that because I would I would argue uh, yeah, with yeah, you yeah. on that one. But the second one that has a lot more uh, detail yeah. says. Brian Lackey is determined to discover what happened during an amnesia blackout when he was eight years old and then later woke with a bloody nose. He believes he was abducted by aliens and Neil McCormick, a fellow player on Brian's childhood baseball team, may be the key as to exactly what happened that night. As Brian searches for the truth and tries to track him down, Neil takes up hustling and moves to New York and attempts to forget childhood memories that haunt him. Together, the two of them uncover the terrible truth of the scars they share. That's a little bit more yeah. appropriate, yeah. but yeah. even that, of course, I you know, I mean, hey, a plot description can't sum up a whole movie. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I wonder if someone yeah. went into that movie and came out of it and they were like, "Wait, so he wasn't aliens?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the <laughs> fuck is this? I, I, my dad would probably do that after we saw the village together. My dad was like, "Wait, so what was the deal with the guys in the red with?" What was the deal with the red monsters? <laughs> I was like, Dad, they were they weren't monsters. So, <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> but that and I actually was thinking, I mean, I was thinking about that sci-fi ele- that sort of yes. abandoned sci-fi element. Because yeah, it does kind of have some hard sci-fi oh, yeah. in terms of him remembering seeing the UFO and such. Yeah. And and but the interesting thing while I was watching it this time, this was like my third time seeing the movie. Um, I was thinking, man. They spend a lot of time on this UFO plot, and and while you're watching it, you must know that he's completely misguided. Yeah. In in what he's doing, and yet they spend a lot of time like following him yeah. pursue this mystery. And I was wondering while I was watching that if how that would impact you guys. Were you guys like, I don't know, did that turn you off? Turn you on? No. I, I mean, not turn you on, but were I you into it or not? Yeah. I, when, well, first of all, when they introduced the alien element initially, I was like, this movie is weird as hell. I'm like, you know, oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. it had already been, uh, you pretty immediately get some like distressing things in this movie. Mm. Um, you do. You early on, you know, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. Early on, things are not what they seem. It's certainly yeah. not played like a reveal for, uh, I'm going to forget his name, Brady Corbett's character. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, we're not along for the, the, same uh there's there's dramatic irony there in that yeah. like i think anyone with a with a brain would know yeah. what what happened to him yeah. to a degree long before he finds out you connect the dots pretty quick but the initial like oh there's actually a fucking ufo in this movie i was like right. whoa now what that is, is this movie that is really interesting yeah. that scene and i and i forgot that that happened but there yeah. literally is a scene at the beginning where he steps in his backyard yeah. and sees like a yeah. UFO and you with watch his mom and the his rest sister. of his family also witness it. And right. so like I was like, whoa, what is this movie? And also his mom just be like, no, it's well, she doesn't say swamp gas. That's just where my head goes. But yeah. she like dismisses it as like, but is also like totally freaked by it. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But I thought that that was actually a really cool moment because, you know, when you think about it, we have as adults, like that makes perfect sense. We have memories of childhood where we swear that something yeah. happened and we swear that someone was there with us yeah. and witnessed it with us, but yeah. that's not true at it all. Didn't like, yeah. We made it up. Yeah. We, we, yeah. It's a story that we told yeah. ourselves yeah. to make something seem like, yeah. I like think something it was real. Every but, adult yeah. should do is go visit their middle school. 
because I Holy went moly. maybe a couple years ago because one of my friends, his little brother, was doing some like science fair. And so this, we got stoned and went. Wow. This is like a decade ago. But that is, uh, and this is not because notch. I was yeah. getting large or anything. This is because I, uh, it's not because I was high, but because I went in there, one of the craziest things was how tiny that school was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. in my memory, it was so huge. It was this big, expansive building. And I yeah. got in, I was like, this is fucking small. And my memory of it was picture perfect or so i thought yeah and and you know it's things like that where you're like fuck like my childhood memory is is like almost completely suspect yeah 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 you know, and, and i have memories of things that i'm almost that where i'm like wow this this didn't happen like mm-hmm. we never we never stayed at a hotel that looked like that you know like yeah yeah i have i i think that a lot of people you know our minds like you know as far as memory goes there's the you know the the idea that when we think of something, when we recall a memory, that our mind automatically changes that memory and messes with it a little bit. So in a rea- in reality, our memories are not like photographs. You know, right. they're they're sort of constantly evolving. Yeah, uh, just like we are. So well, I think it's because they're they're um, our memories aren't perfect. Not even the first time, right? So there's always missing information, mm-hmm. but our brains want to fill the information in, so they just do. Well, I, and I would say our brains want to fill in the information, yeah. but you know what? What pretty much knows what happens though, what what the thing that knows what happened though is our bodies. Yeah, yeah. And so what they've done a lot of research on with trauma mm-hmm. is that there there's this book called The Body Keeps the Score mm. that's all about like how we the as, body keeps the score. <laughs> Let the body keep the score. Let the body keep the score. Something's wrong with me. Two. Something's wrong with me. Three. Well, that's dark. That that fits too well. Something's got to kill. That is just really incredible. Wow. (laughs) That. All right. So I'm in a real goofy mood today. No, that's great. It's probably not a good match for this. No, I think that was that energy to. Yeah, yeah. About to eat this fucking cookie. Well, it's a complete cookie. It's a health cookie that has 16 grams. What the fuck is a health cookie? I just knew I was gonna have to eat eat before I'm done eating for the day and and this was a cookie that was Health nearby cookies. me when I had that thought. <laughs> so ultimately answer your question, yeah. I, like when the UFO thing happened, I was like, "Whoa, cool, this movie's maybe going to be weirder than I thought." And then very quickly I was like, "Oh, nope, I get it." And then you I spent most of the movie every time the UFO stuff came up feeling more and more sorry for him. Yeah. That he that he was so buried into this yes. lie that he had created so that he could deal with I still didn't know yet, but had a pretty good idea. You know what I mean? Like it, it. I just felt more and more sorry for him as it went. Yeah. And I don't mean that in 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 the the negative way. I think that 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 might come off like, oh, I feel so sorry for him. Like I, I really felt um, empathy. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Real, I, and that's the thing about this movie is the the sort of magic of this movie. As much as I was saying, like I could have done with not seeing it, I'll probably never see it again. And the magic of this movie is the empathy it has for its characters. Um, uh, that I think is something I. Even in movies about trauma, I feel like I rarely see this yeah. level of empathy for for the characters that that trauma affects. And I think having that UFO moment really does grant that empathy yeah. because we do get a window into kind of his innocence and you and know, his like experience this, of this. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, like it's magical to him. Yeah. And it's and it's uh like you get the sense that he's this outcast and he's an yeah. outsider. Yeah. But he's almost got a level of of comfort. Uh, with his outsiderness because he knows that he is he's experienced something above and beyond everyone else and you know we do feel bad for him because we we start to learn that it was actually horrifying as opposed to 
a magical you know, cool in thing. both ways yeah. it shows the world being bigger and more nuanced than he could imagine yeah um but you know who wouldn't prefer wonder over perversion? Yeah. And, and and the story, the the wonderful story, the the story gives him order where yeah, there actually isn't any. It gives him some sort of control over what happened to him when he knows the reality is he that's that's the whole thing is he had no control and he doesn't mm-hmm. know what happened, and mm-hmm. so the story gives him that it returns that control to him, oh, yeah, even if he knows it's not real. Which I I think is like maybe the saddest part is that. Yeah, somewhere inside of him, he knows that that's not real. That You're right. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it, a thing. But that becomes his story to yeah, tell. Cause yeah. You want to tell people like, man, I saw a yep. spaceship as yep. opposed to a story that, you you know, you wouldn't want to tell people. Yeah, that you're embarrassed by or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. yeah. Asha- ashamed, ashamed of, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I will say before we leave the, the UFO, one yeah. of the things that I appreciated about Before we totally, leave the UFO. Before, <laughs> we had, before we exit the mothership. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that tonally it was very important to the movie because some of the stranger elements that might cause an uncomfortable laughter as opposed to facing it head on have like, you know, what's, what's the, the coach's name? I mean, there's literal, they literally refer to him as coach. Coach. Okay. Well, when coach is literally looking at the camera and we understand it's the point of view of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Uh, Neil, was it? Neil. Neil. Neil? Okay. Um, we understand it's from his point of view, and this guy is literally seducing the camera, which we understand to be the point of view of a child. Yeah, that can play as ha 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 uncomfortable. That can play as uh, this is too much. But I think with the UFO and the hindsight, there's a certain level of weird that I was immediately willing mm. to allow. Yeah, and because I wasn't uh, purposefully abrasive to this uncomfortable material being presented quite literally in my face. It makes it easier to actually take that at face value and. And I don't know, and just to 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 work with it as opposed to put up a wall against it. Yeah, I think the yeah. UFO, uh, you know, how appropriate helped me deal with those moments, you know, yeah. just by tonally being weird. And I think that that's something that this director Greg Araki, he doesn't. I've seen a few of his other movies, and, and that seems to be like a through line in his movies, where his characters basically invent these kinds of myths, uh, or they they tell themselves stories and sort of fantasies if not um you know in order to kind of deal with these horrible truths or these truths that are just like too big for them to comprehend like um uh he came out with a movie a few years ago called white bird in a blizzard i don't know if you guys saw that i have not but it, i yeah it's it's pretty good it, it's basically like his attempt at doing like a a mysterious skin round two um the same type of like you know 80s 90s period piece uh teen drama of like a teen finding out some horrible truth about their life and their family and their family. Um, and in that it's the same thing where she keeps on having this dream about uh, the main character, Shailene Woodley. Uh, she keeps on having this dream I like about, I know she's great about like what happened to her mother who went missing. And in the dream, there's all these clues about what really happened to her mother, but you know, and you kind of have an idea throughout, but of course they like wait till the very end to reveal it. So you know he he's interested in characters who basically have to invent these these falsehoods and these these whole other alternate worlds in order to to deal with life and and did you see the movie Kaboom that came out a few years ago no. that's another fun one but in that one uh it's like about like a a young like queer college kid who actually like stumbles onto like basically like a doomsday conspiracy oh cool and it, but in that one where like the conspiracy is actually real but you're still in his headspace for the whole first part of the movie where you're like this is this thing is crazy you know mm. like this is bullshit this can't really be happening 
but uh, but he likes to fuck around with that. I'm and, trying to th- think know. of how. I mean, I, I actually don't remember much about the Living End. I believe it was called. Yeah, the Living um, End. I watched that when it was on Mubi, but I, I really don't remember much. I do remember Smiley Face, which is more oh, I remember. Of a, That's a right. I have seen another comedy. one of his. Yeah. That's like his stoner comedy. Is yeah, there a Anna way Paris. to apply this to that? Maybe I don't know. I haven't I'm seen. I'm trying it. to think. Oh, okay, it's just Anna Faris uh, eats an entire plate of like cookies or cupcakes or brownies and isn't aware that they were pot brownies. Yeah. And she eats all of them and then has to go about her day while being like cr- like just ridiculously impaired. That's yeah. It's very very funny and she's a great choice for it. Um, has the best visual depiction of a pot bug out I've ever seen <laughs> in her just trying to back out of her driveway. <laughs> it's very funny. I can't think That's of a way thing. to apply that read, but well, what I know cool. as far as the you know the auteur theory or his auteurist tendencies are are you know almost all of his movies, pretty much all of his movies have you know focus on queer characters mainly mm-hmm. and have soundtracks of like '90s and '80s shoegaze, goth, mm-hmm. new wave, mm-hmm. and then. No, and are just about the sound of this movie was tight. Yeah. yeah. They're about it and most of his movies just are about like young people discovering their sexuality in yeah, one way yeah. or another. And then Mysterious Skin is interesting because it's like and I need to see some of his nine more of his nineties output. I've only seen the Doom Generation, but it seems like this is the yeah, first movie he made where he actually where it was not really so much about glorifying, you know, like the discovery of sexuality, but it was about Sort of the horrors of of mm, mm-hmm. discovering, especially discovering your sexuality before you consented to yeah. discovering your sexuality. Mm. Um, and, and and that it, scene when uh, what's her name? That's that's quite a hard left turn for him to make, and yeah. it's pretty awesome. That but he I think did it, it operates on the same uh, like you can you can use the same presentation device uh, to to operate. Like I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Even though this guy is discovering a horrifying thing about Which sexuality guy? in Neil general, or, uh, or Brian, Brian, yeah. Um, but I mean, they are both discovering things about their sexuality. I think it is still along that, even if it's not just discovering it's okay to be, you know, different. It's there's discovery there. Yeah, I mean, the whole discovery. the whole movie is about self discovery, mm. and it's about self. But it and to bring it back to what you mentioned earlier, innocence. Like to me. I feel like innocence is really a big thing that runs through this movie. You hear it in in the music, in the score. You see it in their friendships with one another, like the Michelle Trachtenberg character, Wendy, mm-hmm. and uh, her friendship with Neil, and then their friend, um, the, uh, what's his name? He's played by the actor's name, Jeff Lycan. But but there's, like a, there's a real innocence that kind of permeates this movie. Reference. And to me, that's... You know, as much as it's a movie about unspeakable trauma, you know, it would be pretty much unwatchable if it wasn't also a movie about just like the bonds that we make when we're young Mm. with people who, you know, if you feel like you didn't fit in, you know, with other people who didn't feel like they fit in. Oh, I thought what was the the friend's name? I'll find out. Mutual friend. Because he was such a like a wonderful character, he, I really enjoyed him because incredible. he's so powerfully innocent, Once and he seems and to really, really love everybody. It's yep. it's when him and Brian started becoming friends, oh, I was adorable. like, "This is amazing." His like, name is Eric. Yes, Eric. Eric. That's it. I love that. I love when Brian that. and Eric start becoming friends. I was like, "This is like such a beautiful." I don't know, just in this movie that is full of turmoil and like chaos right. and like very hard things to watch. This very natural friendship that sort of buds between these two guys is like so mm, charming yeah. and wonderful. And, and it's for such everyone a great... else to be tied by their sexualities, yeah. the fact that they're bonding over the fact that they just enjoy being around one another yes. is really, really cool. Yeah. 
and the fact that like and they really aren't even remotely alike and and on the one hand you could argue well they need to become friends in order for the plot to move forward sure. because that's how Brian and Neil I end up meeting. It makes so much sense that they but, would become yeah. friends after yeah. meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, they're both outcasts. They live in, they're attending community college in small yep. town Kansas. Like, and they're it, both it makes kind of under sense. Neil's spell despite yes. uh, Brian not having met him yet. That's a good yep. point. Um, this movie does do a lot with the fact that like Neil's whole being has a pretty far reach. He's almost like a black hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That. I would say even better than saying he has a reach, he's like a vacuum. Yes, yeah. he's, he just everything that he comes in contact with he sort of sucks into himself mm. but not in 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 a good way and it's not even like he wants to do that i mean you know it's yeah it's, yeah. Yeah. it's well, hard to describe it. it's, yeah it's yeah. part of his it's his impulse it's yes, his compulsion it's, yeah and yeah. it's part of his um uh, to me it suggests that it was part of actually his coping mechanism yes. for things that he was not even he still had not recognized yet were 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 Damaging him internally. Yeah. It's somehow. a way that he reenacts his trauma. Yeah. Because when you think about it, like Oh yeah, because he does that very yeah. specifically in in some scenes in this movie. He does. Too. <sighs> yeah. And and you're reminding me of a, a quote. There's and I wrote this down because it really kind of summed up this character. Um, you know, so he's like best friends with Wendy. They're like, you know, thick as thieves together. Michelle Trachtenberg's yes. character. Yes, mm. Michelle Trachtenberg. Harry at the and, spy. And so That's how I know her but as there's well. the one scene where she's dropping I him off to VHS. go. Oh nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> there's that Sorry. one scene where she's dropping him off to go trick or honestly yeah. I, I i've never learned how to properly use the terminology of trick is a trick a Let guy who <laughs> is it a trick is a guy who pays for sex uh, is that uh, a john is who pays john for pays sex. for the sex the trick is is like the, the act is of the act of doing. Okay. Like if you're turning tricks he goes to turn a trick sex okay. for money so neil goes to turn I'm a trick you know that i was like, in the park it's movies was, honestly it's i know movies. And <laughs> was looking at me and i was like i am gonna sound really dumb when i try and answer this i don't know why i was like oh, garrett you yeah, know you, yeah. know, it, you know i know that they're called jo- i'm now i'm trying john's. to remember they're called john's and i honestly think i might know that only because of the kids in the hall sketch where dave foley and scott thompson were the prostitutes just like shooting the shit on the corner. And yeah, that's probably why yeah. I know what John's well, are. Well, let me rewind. I when, also love when, hookers. When Neil goes <laughs> to pull a trick with a John yes. In, yes. in the you park. Said, uh, are you a cop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens is... Uh, you have to tell me if I ask. That's the law. I know. Right. I, I, it's actually a, a great line from this movie. Are you the FBI? Yeah. <laughs> they say, uh, where normal people have a heart, Neil has a bottomless black hole. Yes. And if you're not careful, you'll fall in and get lost forever. I knew I was sort of repeating something that, that yeah. had been brought up in the movie. Yeah. And Eric, like, you can, and he goes, but he's so beautiful. Yes. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and you understand why, I mean, he is, so, and that's also a lot of Joseph Gordon Levitt's acting happening. Like, Man, he is, he, he he's is so unreal. charismatic. Yes. Yeah. And he's unbelievably charismatic. And why wouldn't you want to be friends with him? I mean, yeah. the, the guy literally gets a shotgun pulled on him. And then his response to that is to lean out the window, smile, laugh, and flip the guy off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he is. Oh, he's, he's chaos, man. Yeah, he's pure chaos. But he's yeah. the kind of guy. I used to always say I really enjoyed watching Jackass because that way I wouldn't have to actually be friends with these fucking people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can get all of the benefits of that. And like I had the same feeling about him where it was like, I would absolutely want to be friends with this guy, but like the adult in me would be like, yeah. just. Don't even bother. Like, keep your yeah. distance because it's just bad news. So, so, speaking of Neil, what what did you guys think about the in terms of like how he? By the time we meet him as Joseph Gordon Levitt, yeah, I feel like you know it's interesting how there's this like empty space between child Neil and you know teen yeah. Neil, mm-hmm. where you know he is really different than the kid that you knew, right? Yeah, Suddenly, yeah. 
he is a hustler. Suddenly he is, he's getting into like, you know, all kinds of trouble. Right. Yeah. So what did you guys think about the, the childhood scenes between him and coach? Like, in terms of the point of view that we are operating in. Well, that I mean, that was something I wanted to bring up earlier when you when you were talking, Dan, because because you brought up the the sort of close ups we get of Coach from uh, from his from point of view. We see a view. lot. There's a, actually throughout the whole movie. There's a lot of point of view. So shots. many close ups. Yeah. There are so many close ups in this point. movie, and like the visual language of this movie is very much these like intense. Um, like, and I don't even know how there's to There's a lot it. of direct into camera yes, dialogue. Yes, exactly. And so that's what I mean by point yeah. of view shots. I mean, there are a lot of point of view shots yes. where it's like upside down on a bed. Yep. You've seen upside yep. down shot, yep. but like, yeah, it's it's a hun- it's a lot of people talking to you, the yes. audience, but you understand it to be uh, a, another Neil's, character Neil's or point of view or yeah. something. Yeah, and it it creates um uh, almost what I would call like right. a. That was a really loud fart. It made me laugh. Oh, I mean, oh no! I that was. Oh, that was I thought you farted. Yeah. I was like, did Andy just step away to <laughs> fart? Because that. No, I didn't even hear. You it. never get a second one out of it. I, I thought didn't even it was hear just it. a crazy fart. I'm sorry. I'm a child. Sorry. Right. I've definitely anyway, farted on this podcast before. Yeah. Oh, I've done it like to the yeah. mic. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Absolutely, you're good. That's why I laughed. It just really. Yeah. Sorry. But the I think the <laughs> anyway. close-ups create like a um. Uh, I like this is gonna sound weird, but I think the way I describe it is like a a um a violating intimacy. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt, the, I think that's one hundred. And I think the that's obviously. I mean, that is the story of this movie is this violating intimacy, and I I think that and that permeates through not just the coach stuff. It's in a lot of the relationships that these um boys have with other people in their lives. Mm. Um, uh, and and maybe is I don't know, but maybe is trying to speak to that idea that. You know, um, as I understand it, uh, people that are, are are traumatized as children often repeat. They sort of get yeah. into more and more traumatizing relationships. Yeah. And and um, uh, Freud referred to it as the. Sorry to like be. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out the the grad school. Yeah, oh, please, uh, yeah. Stuff here. Uh, Freud rep- referred to it as the repetition compulsion. Yeah, which is the idea that you know why do you, he basically you know found. All right, so all you know, all my patients are doing the same thing over and over again, even though they know that it brings them pain. Yeah, yeah. Why is yeah. why are they doing this? This doesn't really make sense if human, if part of our human, you know, impulses to avoid. I understand pain. what Freud did was he just poured cocaine all over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but what he all while doing lots of cocaine, um, he discovered that well, the reason why humans do this is to gain a sense of mastery over it. To gain that control, mm. whereas in you know Neil does what he does as a teenager and a young adult because you know in order to do it in in order it gives him some kind of a control over what happened right just like he has to come up with the story and the narrative that that you know he was Coach's one true love or yep. that Coach was his one true yep. love mm-hmm. yep. even though he was he was eight years old yeah you know and that wasn't love but yeah. to him and, and that's the thing that I love about this movie is that. The movie knows there's no mistake. The movie makes no mistake in letting you know that that is just not true. Right. But it really puts you in Neil's shoes and his point of view. And you feel that you feel that pain and that Mm -hmm. longing that comes with that comes with having to basically make up this story in order to rationalize that abuse. And also, you know, (laughs) maybe, you know, it. It, in a way, not that it was love, but but to him, 
that he didn't well, know the we, difference. We got to point out to is, him that he doesn't was have a love. dad. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. a father figure. Yeah. His mom clearly cares about him. They're very open with one another, but she is but young she's and a mess off too. doing things. She's a yeah. mess too. And so for him to be a kid who is very young and knows that he's not straight. Yeah. You know, he's he's watching his mom do her things. So he's already got this weird sex complex with yeah. his mom. He's he knows that he's not uh, on the normal path mm-hmm. as it were his understanding. And then this guy shows up and gets to be a father figure, yeah. Someone who lets him misbehave a little and bit, and a and a love object. Oh, like, well, like uh, but at first, an object of uh, sexual desire too. It, mm-hmm. Well, it ultimately becomes that and validates those weird queer feelings that he's having to a degree. And so, in one way, and weird from being his, like, oh, these are new something that, and he gets the sense, oh, I'm living in a straight world, but. I'm well, gay, from Neil's point of view, know, he sees this you know. as as a form of love. He goes, yeah. "Wow, this guy cares about me. This yeah. guy wants to be with me. I am special. He makes me feel special. Everything that I have a question about, he has an answer." And by doing it from and his he point has a of house view, full of toys, house video full games, of toys, and candy. Yeah. Throw the cereal on the floor. It doesn't matter. But that's a great scene. Oh, yeah. That's a wholesome scene. scene on its surface. If you don't know any context to it, you know, if if that happened between the dad and Jaws and the kid and the give me a kiss scene, and they threw cereal everywhere, it would be triumphant. Right. Um, but here, it's. You know, from his, we're able to see from his point of view and yeah. go. He actually does feel loved and validated yeah. here, and that's what I think is is the importance of the point of view shots and yeah. the direct to camera shots is it puts us into his perspective of going. This is clearly attractive to him, yeah. without necessarily undercutting what we all know. And it's that this guy knows all of these things about this kid and is just exploiting them. Yeah, you know, he yeah. knows he doesn't have a dad. He's feeling that. He's, he knows yeah. that he's different. He's exploit. You know, and he's exploiting all of that. And they he, make yeah. it. They make it clear that despite him, even at his age, having a sexual attraction to this man, does not want to be doing the things that the man is then doing to him. Right. They so, also make right. that clear that, like, despite. Mm. You know, he is still nine years old and doesn't even really know He's what those child, sexual yeah. feelings mean or, or you know what I mean? And so they make it very clear that it's like that is not he did not understand that to be part of this experience and does not yeah. want it to be part of this. But experience. well, well, it's interesting. But though. then I think that that's what happens when you meet him as a teenager and he's now tricking and stuff. My read on on that was like, well, what coach did to me was OK because I do these things. Yes. These are yeah. things that I do. Right. Well, this him, is part of who I am and what I do. So that was okay that we did these things. Yes. I well, he right. sees the coach and it's all of these needs or questions that he has are answered and fulfilled. Yeah. But the coach, it's almost the opposite. He goes, this kid has all of these deficits and I know exactly how to speak to them. Yeah. yeah my yeah. rocks off. And yeah. so it's yeah. like, and he's grooming in a way, him, it, it which is what abusers do. Yeah. It humanizes and characterizes the abuser without robbing him of any of the villainy right while at the same time giving us a point of view that shows like why wouldn't this kid go along with this it's everything he wants yeah and man it's like that's really i don't think that is a tricky very tricky line to walk and it's incredible it's tough to characterize someone who is by all accounts a monster yeah without offering empathy their way Mm -hmm. and this somehow finds a way to keep him villainous understand why it appears to be empathetic to a child without you know without turning it into like well maybe you should think about it from his point of view like it's not you know what i'm saying and you never see that's very difficult i don't think i've ever seen that and and I want to speak too about the music that plays in the beginning because I mean I that's like my favorite kind of music I love shoegaze I love yeah. Robin Guthrie and Harold Budd are two of my favorites and they did the soundtrack and the whole we should make a shoegaze band called Shugazi. Uh, well, no joke. Uh, my, <laughs> Do they have one already? No, but actually my band Baker Man, which yeah. we've talked about before, we that's our 
we made up. We sorry, dude, but you're late. We made up that term. <laughs> I'm already. never gonna use it. Go go crazy. Yeah, I'm no, never we, gonna use it. For we've anything. been calling our our music that for oh, years. Oh, I love that. Oh, right on. I love it. Which is pretty funny because you it may is have that. Told me that, and that's how that phrase possible, entered my yeah. head. And you may have just forgotten. The and top thought it was is a UFO. Spinning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the the music really puts <laughs> These you. Aliens came. They were called the Shugatsi. <laughs> <laughs> the music really puts you in this headspace of. In in my mind, it's it's very bright. It's very dreamy. Mm-hmm. It really, it, it feels like childhood in a yeah. lot of ways. It reminds me a little bit of the music in, um, it's a little more bubbly, but in True Romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the music that they actually have to repurpose the, the from Badlands. Badlands stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, it sort of had that feeling to it where it was like, oh, a carnival I don't trust. <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Or it's like, like well, what's happening actually in this movie world is is mass murder and drug dealing and yeah. pimping and all this horrible shit but this is but ain't we're, in the, grand. we're in the character's headspace yeah. with mm-hmm. this music and that's exactly what's happening here we're in Neil's headspace mm-hmm. of you know the the awesomeness of getting to go to a, a slasher movie with your coach the awesomeness of like you know getting all the cereal cereal you want that your mom doesn't well, buy for you. getting none of it, though. It's all on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're going to get it. It's yeah. in the anticipation of getting it that much better. And and you're 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 just in his point of view for, for so long. And and you can feel that. The weird thing is I'm watching it there, and I'm feeling that love. I'm feeling that sense of, like, belonging that he's mm-hmm. feeling, which, which is – and you can tell after the first encounter that he has with Coach that he didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Right, and he—you can tell that he was uncomfortable with it. You can tell he didn't want to. But then afterward, you know. But what do abusers tell, you know, kids when after they do that, they tell them things like, "Oh, well, listen, this is what I do for people who I really like." Mm-hmm. And listen, we can't tell anybody about this because we'll we're going to get, get in, in trouble. trouble. You'll get in trouble too, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'll get in trouble. And and little by little, though, I mean, a kid is a kid's mind is like a sponge, so. He's going to buy into it, and he does for that whole summer, which is how yeah. he ends up bringing Brian into right, it. Right, and then he know? uses him as, like, bait for other kids. I think one of the scariest just scenes fucking sick, yeah, is obviously. when Neil assaults the trick-or-treater. Yeah. and But what's scary, <laughs> so what's scary about it, though, is that it's less him... My read on it is less him necessarily uh, trying to attack this kid to... Uh, you know, to be horny about it or to, uh, you know, it's literally him like trying his version of what he sees adulthood to be on for size. Yeah. He's going, well, this works for me to make it feel better, right? Yeah, I'm going to do that for you. One, he wants to show off to Wendy, too. Yeah. He wants to show off to Wendy, yeah. but he's also like sort of putting himself into his attacker's shoes almost yeah. to try and understand You're it. Right. But because that's his, uh, he doesn't have a dad. That's what his, this is what it's like to take yeah. care of a kid. Yeah. That's how you take care of a kid, right? Yeah. That's what I've been shown. So I, I'm going to do that, too. And, and it, it has that nervous self-validation about it while also just Yeah. That's oh, I mean that's man, a that's that a classic like, coping skill. That's I mean you can call that identifying with the aggressor. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Oh, well now in order to to not feel like a victim, I, I'll do these things too, yeah. basically. And I'll well, do that to this kid. And there's an interesting thing there too where I kind of get the impression this is his way. Of te- what's it? What, what's her name now? Um, why can't I think of his friend? Trachtenberg's Wendy. character, Wendy. Yeah. This is his way of telling Wendy what happened to him. Yeah, that's a good point. He doesn't. Ha- he doesn't know how to express to her what happened to him. I think he probably knows it's wrong and needs to tell somebody, and he doesn't that's know how point. to express it or anything. And so he just 
kind of repeats it in front of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. be like, these are the things that I have done. Like, right, this is right. who I am. I've done yeah, these yeah, things. That's these a really things good were point. done to me. Uh, and now you're a witness saying, himself, though. it's almost yeah. like, and he, all, he was alone with Coach when all this stuff happened. Right. There were no witnesses. Right. So now, like you said, he's like, he's acting it out. So she's now a witness yeah. to what he went through and experienced. Yeah. And doesn't understand that that's what he's doing. She doesn't understand that that's what you know what I mean. No. It's like and it's, that look on her face. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. my best friend here is extremely fucked up. Yeah, and but also that and extremely you know. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, it point. is part of that thing where it's like I I got to know I got to unlock this treasure. I got to figure out what the yeah. deal is. Crack the code. Absolutely. So, what did you guys think about? Um, I don't know. What, what did you think about? Like, as we get towards the end, how how it comes together. Well, that so that is so for for probably not wanting to see this again and and spending most of the movie. Yeah, well, let's, let's rewind. Tell me what it was like. So, legitimately, while you were the whole it, movie, the whole movie, um, Tori and I kept repeating to each other like these characters are fascinating. Like I, I love these characters. Like they're not just That's fascinating. Awesome. I like them. Yeah. Like I really like these characters. They're and I, really like they're very good. Compelling. They're really. They're people like they're yeah. so real. Yeah. And, I think and that to Brian... me, that's what this whole film, this film, like I said earlier, it would just really be unwatchable if it wasn't also an extremely compelling portrait of like friendship. Yeah. And of, of I think they're all like a degree short of what I think a lot of people, if they were tasked with making this movie, would end up tacking each character up a degree to the point where they're cartoony. Yeah. Like you could draw a Looney Tune of Brian. He looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. He's just got like yeah. a heightened does, look about right. him. But you don't really. F- this isn't really a heightened movie in that sense, and I feel like if the, if they dialed it up just that much more, it wouldn't work at all. Yeah. And yeah. so for these like borderline, you know, just hand drawn characters, are so human and so personal. That's like a really cool limit to push. Yeah. And it and and so I like I spent most of the movie being like I this is hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, and. Just difficult subject matter that I, you know, I, not to uh, be a, a bad appreciator of art, but it's like, no, yeah. you know, it's I'd, hard. I'd rather watch a Star Wars. You know, yeah. What I mean? like it's, it's yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's not an entertainment. In, I've in seen that this sense, on a yeah. few other like letterbox reviews that basically say the same thing. Where, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is an incredible movie, and I'll never watch it. Again. Right, mm-hmm. but no. that, for some reason, I've watched it three times. Well, but here's the thing, though: a real good command of cinematic language. It's real good. But the thing is, it's the ending. It's it's yeah. the last ten minutes that really made me like really appreciate the entirety of the movie because I think that experience leading up to those ten minutes. Um, oh, you mean you're talking about the rape scene? No, well, yeah, I mean the rape scene is extremely, extremely difficult. Hard, horrible, um, yeah. um, but I, I mean literally the last ten minutes where where the two of them are just talking right. to each other on yep. Coach's couch, uh, um, the carolers that you think yes, are the people coming right. home, and yeah. then you're relieved when they aren't, and they have this beautiful. It, it, Man, that, that is some that scene uh, to me. I, I have seen. I feel like a, a a decent amount of movies about trauma and characters dealing with trauma, and and not to reduce them too much, but it feels like a lot of them um, kind of have like a scene where they see a therapist one time, and then literally everything is better, and they never have to think about yeah, it yeah. again. Yep. And le- and they're on the other side of it for the rest of life. And the last ten minutes of this movie. I think are the only time I've ever seen characters actually unpack their trauma with each other on screen together, like fully. 
We, just for 10 minutes, we watch them completely unpack the trauma that happened to them. Yep. And there is never a promise of, and now things will be better. Nope. There is never a promise of, Quite and the opposite, now honestly. things are different. There is just the catharsis, the real catharsis that does come with, like, you know, naming your trauma, saying it out loud, uh, uh, having it witnessed. Uh, like, it, we just get that actual catharsis that I, I think is very real. Um, and that, I think it sells it by being, like, because you, you can't really say that there's an, an arc in that sense, you know, like yeah. where, where things change and right. they're all better now. But I do like that, it, I mean, at least I think it very strongly success that whatever happens next, they're actually better prepared for it for having found one another. Well, and yeah. I, I think that, like, that's what I'm getting at is, yeah. like, what happens in this scene is extremely important. Yeah. But but what it is not doing is promising any sort of change. No. Um, and, and because I think that that is very much the reality of trauma, which is it is that is part of you. It's part of you and your experience in your life, and it's likely to affect your experience in your life moving forward. Um, but there are still there is still catharsis to be found. There is still growth. There are still things that can be done. Um, uh, and I, I think that, I don't know that it was just like one of the most real and beautiful expressions. I think of like what, what the real work of trying to like deal with things that happen to you is like, and, and the, the actual benefit that can come from, you know, um, not avoiding the things that, yeah. that have happened to you. Do you want you me know? to read the last line, the, nar- the narration voiceover? Yeah. Cause I, yeah. Because I feel like this kind of, and I agree with you, Garrett. Like I, I think the last ten minutes are just completely astounding. They make in it worth so it, many think. ways. Yeah, and and like you said, just saying, leaving you with the notion that not everything's going to be okay, but at least the tr- at least we know what happened. Yeah, and and what I find truly also amazing about that scene, not only is it like an incredible bit of, you know, acting, staging, yes. body yeah. movements, all the subtle little details of like. You know, Brady Corbett as Brian is like slowly like, moving closer and closer mm-hmm. to Neil with each little shot. And like mm-hmm. at first he's sitting next to him and then he's got his head on his shoulder and then his head is on his lap. And after it's the only intimacy Brian yeah. shares with anybody in the movie, it's the closest that yeah. he comes. Absolutely. And then and also the fact that and and the the disturbing fact that these two boys have already well, they've already experienced much closer intimacy than that. Yeah. Yep. A physical intimacy, yep. that is. Yep. And they shared that, but it wasn't up to them. You know? Right. And, yeah. But then the, what really sticks with me is after the truth is told, so to speak, the shaking that Brian does. Well, and I, I, I spent a lot of time sort of thinking about that and considering that. And I, I kind of think like what I, I, what I got out of that moment and, and to me is very powerful. And I don't know if this is what they're getting at, but is this idea that Brian is mad at Neil for what mm. for what technically he could say Neil did to him, which is like yeah. Neil brings him into this world. He was part and, of the bait, you yeah. know? Right. But, uh, but is also an adult who... What's the way to say this? I don't need to say that. That that is also like he, but he gets it. Like he understands that this also happened to Neil. Mm, like yeah. it, it. Like I am mad at Neil because I would not be in this position where it not for right. Neil. But Neil was the but victim. Neil too. was also a victim. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. This he, is he is both super angry at him and also like the only person that 
he can have this moment with and he needs this moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like he's experiencing, I think, all of that like at the same yeah. time. And I think that's the shaking is is the anger combined with the trying yeah. to consider both the anger and the reality of it yeah. all at once, you know? I, I I think and he gets that anger out towards Neil when he starts nosebleeding and yeah. he's like, Did it look like this? Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, screams yeah, at him. Yeah. And and I I think it's a really interesting theory on the shaking. I and I took it as like, oh, well, it's it's all of that denial that yeah. he's had yeah. for you know ten plus years yeah. breaking down yeah. and his and it's that connection between his mind and his body finally actually oh, taking place. Yeah. And and the react just the physical reaction. Yeah. It's almost like it's like the electricity yeah. that's going through his yeah. body as he's reconnecting with yes. like his soul or whatever you want right, to call right. it. Yeah. It's like what happens to you when you're you know when you're fa- when you're falling asleep and your body just you know does yeah. a knee jerk thing. It's like I never even thought about yeah. it in terms of like the specifics of it. I was just like, man, he's yeah, he's yeah. having a moment. <laughs> like, yeah, I was yeah, really, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like he's really really. Well, yeah, you I mean, know, it's that loss yeah. of bodily. I love that read though because I think of. you're right. I I never thought about him having anger yeah. towards Neil. Yeah, and and of course he would. Yeah, uh, right. but at well, the he's same time, it's like he's he like sees that Neil is yeah. is as affected as this. And actually, er, earlier when you're like, we'll talk about that later. We don't have to because talking about this sold me on. It, Neil is discovering something new at the right. end. Yeah, there. Exactly. he is. He is uh, discovering exactly. that like. As much as he told himself he was the special one, he wasn't special. He was just right. another one of this guy's victims. Right. Yeah. And, and he, that's like you're absolutely yeah, right. Him having yeah. to tell it's it's weird because well, not weird, but it's interesting because we're presented with these two boys that were affected in very different ways by a, a very similar trauma. And on one hand, we have a boy that could just tell you right now what that trauma was. Mm. If if you asked him or were in the right position but or whatever. He wouldn't tell it to you in that way though. No, absolutely it, not. Right? But but he but he could be specific that I had this relationship he, with he this man. He remembered the details. Yeah, yeah. I, I had this relationship with this man, yeah, yeah. But all the details of this event. He, yeah, because even to the last moment, he's yep. holding on to the idea that he was kind of, you know, he was uh <laughs> I was his one true love. Yeah, like I was, I was the special, special one. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's and that's but so it, yes, you're right to point that out, Andy. Which is like he is holding on to he is he is morphing those details. Yeah, yeah. To 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 be able to cope. With but, them. In but in a, in a way, go ahead. We're presented them with another boy who like has to erase those details. Yes. Like those details have to be gone for him to survive. Right. And, and right. so it's these two methods of survival that in right. this moment, when one is forced to tell the story to the other because the other can't remember it and needs to hear it. In telling it to that person who was also there to experience it, he actually experiences, I think, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, Neil experiences the same thing. Yeah, that Brian, that Brian does, experiences right. his illusion. Has Neil to go is away. hearing it now exactly without yeah. the illusion, and he's never heard it without the illusion before. Right. So, yeah. so you can almost look at it like Brian's illusion of the UFO is on par with Neil's illusion of yes. it being love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and those are just two. Yeah illusions of that have the same weight and they're the same amount of lie yeah the difference is just that neil how neil coped with the trauma was by reenacting it yeah. how brian coped with the trauma was by forgetting and it. there's and like it's crazy in how they look too because yeah. neil's whole thing is you know, he wears his entire character on his sleeve he's completely aware of how he looks and how he's sultry to people yeah. and all you know every aspect of his look is calculated to the degree of he's creating this image whereas like brian almost literally has none at all well, like he, yeah. he's he's yeah. almost who he just he's like a completely blank slate robbed of this ability to to 
give himself a personality almost or you know he's wearing yeah. all white almost the entire time yes he looks well, he, exactly he, the same he wears as the clothes that his mother sets out for yeah him exactly every morning you know he has I mean? no like, interest yeah. in creating a personality or a style whereas uh neil is like creating a cult of personality around himself through Good his point. style and his posturing well, and you, it's just funny that that runs concurrent to uh you know brian just covers it up yep but like how, uh, Neil wears it on his sleeve. Neil wears it on his Neil sleeve. Neil may as well funny. tattoo it on himself. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. But his wearing it on his sleeve is his covering up, and like his Ooh, his yes. covering yeah. it up is also his expressing his something yeah. that he never expresses. The yeah. only thing he's at all enthusiastic about is, "Mom, I have to watch the Alien Show. You tape it. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to watch it, go do whatever. Yeah. You know." Yeah. Well, yeah. it's you literally put different words on. I was about to say like pretty much the exact same thing, which is like. There is a romanticism to Neil's coping mechanism mm-hmm. that is completely uh, um, does not exist to Brian's coping mechanism, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's and it's a societal romanticization of like love versus I think aliens are real. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the 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 story that Neil has decided to tell to help himself deal with this. There is for some reason a romanticism to it that creates this weird black hole vacuum around Neil. That's why people, uh, that's why Neil is so appealing to people. He's got this like fucked up story that he wears on his sleeve yeah. and he looks, you yeah. know, and it, you, you, you know get him. the idea where it's like, man, he's seen it all and he's yeah. figured it out. And it like gives the reality him this is he hasn't figured out shit. Rock star appeal for yeah. some reason. Right. Whereas Brian's yeah, story is a story that we would rather not hear. We would rather keep mm. that kid, you yeah. know, out of view. We would look at, point. at Neil walking down the street and we wouldn't be like, oh, what a weirdo. Right. We'd look at Brian and be like, yep. what a fucking weirdo. Yep. Yeah. And reality is they're just both manifestations of the yes. same yep. fucking evil. Both telling stories, mm. you know, to, to, to cope with that evil. Yeah. It's it, it's fa- it's a fascinating. Yeah. And, and the, the sort of the way the story is told to sort of be divided between these two boys, like the way they're paralleled and stuff. It's like really exceptional stuff. It's it is. on that note. I noticed, remember the guy that uh, just wants uh, Neil to massage him? Yes. He's, Billy Drago. Bill. Is that really his name? Drago. Maybe even if he Drago. dies, he dies. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, and I have funny things to say about the Brighton beach, beach rapist. As weird as that sounds, uh-huh. Garrett knows that I can yeah, say got to hear it. Yeah. But, um, the the painting in uh yes. Ivan Drago's uh pad <laughs> oh, is God. um it's a Vermeer. Yeah. And he yes. points it out and he says, That's a Vermeer. Well, it's sort of a Vermeer. Yeah. Yeah, and I they never go part. into that. Have that you ever seen laugh. Tim's Vermeer? No. Tim's Vermeer oh, is a movie that, that Penn and Teller made yeah. about a guy who decided he was going to learn all of the techniques of Vermeer and he was going to create an original Vermeer painting, not by Vermeer. And his goal was to have it pass as a Vermeer. And so the 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 question of the documentary is, you know, when does something actually become real? Right. If he can master the exact same skill as Vermeer and create an original painting in his style that passes for it, why isn't that a Vermeer? It, it is, you know, that's a Vermeer. Yeah, but, yeah. But he has the same skill, the same art, and yeah. you bought it. That is, that is, there's nothing different about it except for the fact that Vermeer didn't make it. Yeah. And it's because Vermeer is a, a painter that has often been attempted to be forged because people think they can do it. Yeah. And it, it just They're doesn't like, oh, get it's just by. a woman looking at you. What's exactly. the big deal? People yeah. try to forge Vermeers all the time and never quite get it. And that was the magic of this. And I think because of the history of Vermeer, that was, of course... Ah, that's interesting. You know, yeah. in this scene, we see this guy who actually seems like he's got it together. He seems to be the the older gay man who's figured it out. Do you he's know who that nice guy is, pad. by the way? No, he did look familiar. He well, he played the... Do you ever see the Untouchables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, like, assassin guy who 
gets thrown off the building at the end. It's been a while since I've seen he, he's it. He's the guy I, who kills Sean Connery. Yeah, and yeah. then he's on top of the building and Kevin Costner throws him off the building. Uh, yeah, no, I remember you, the scene, but I, I yeah. wouldn't recognize his face. Yeah. But either way, here's this guy who is putting on, and you know the phrase, he's putting on a, a, a veneer. That always makes me... You know, <laughs> but, uh, putting on a vermeer. Putting on a vermeer. But um, no, he's... a. Uh, He's putting on the, he looks like a guy who's got it put together. And, he, and then, of course, he removes it and he's covered with all these yeah. welts. He's obviously dying. He's obviously sick and all that. And, you know, once again, we see Neil. He's like, oh man, I'm going to have to do things with this guy. And then, oh God, I'm going to have to do yeah. really unsafe things with this guy. And the guy's like, can you just like show me some intimacy and rub me? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Just show me some love or some, yeah. some. I, he says, I just want to be touched. Yeah. yeah. And it's just show so me beautiful. some replication, uh, you know, some. Even the shittiest recreation of what love looks like will do for me right oh, now. Well, I think and that so there's so much in that scene. But to of someone just, who can't, you know, who where you know penetration at that point in time. Oh, it's out. Know, it's well, out of the question for, for him. Just imagine being touched. You yeah, know yeah. What I mean, and, and I think that's one of the more beautiful scenes in the movie. Because oh, it's it's wonderful. It's also showing Neil a number of things. It's showing him. But at the same time, he's 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 saying, you know, like. Just, just show me some sort of affection. I Any think, affection yeah, yeah. will do. And it's like, I don't care if it's a real Vermeer. Just give me a pretty picture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I love well, that. And since I, we're I, all reckoning, and at that moment, we're right before Neil learns like this beautiful relationship that I thought I had is actually, you know, it's it's actually abuse dressed up as this mm-hmm. beautiful painting. And so, you know, I just there, there's that's something really going good, on there. Wow. That's that a really the Vermeer good point. stuck out. For yeah. Me. Damn. You're. You were onto something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as soon as he had that line about, like, it's a Vermeer, kind of. I was yeah. like, yep. I Like, that is... You don't we give don't a, know what he means by that. But, but you don't like, give a character a line like that unless it is meant to have some sort of greater, mm, I think, right. weight. It's just tied to the history the, of Vermeer. Yeah. Why Vermeer? Why? Because everyone tries to copy him and no one can pull it off. Yeah. Tim did, though. But, yeah. um, well, the cool thing, though, is that, like, in that scene, too... He, you know, it's one of those paintings where no matter where you're standing in the room, like she's yeah, looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, while he's touching him and he's doing something for the first time where Neil's touching him, it's not, you know, like it's not a typical sexual encounter for him, right? Yeah. And but it's but it's a very safe one. It's non threatening. Yeah. And the, he keeps on saying, you know, like the the man who's getting touched keeps on saying, you know, make me happy. Make me happy. And just think about what that would mean to him to be just to be touched. And the mm. movie is called, you know, mysterious skin. So I wonder if, you know, when we think about it, you know, our skin is an organ, right. And and we need to be touched as humans. Like we, we demand touch, you know mm. what I mean? We need that in order to survive, you know, like literally if you don't hold a baby, you know, like a baby's not gonna, yeah. it's not gonna grow the right way. Like mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. like if you don't hold and love a baby, a baby is going to, basically stay you know like is going to have failure to thrive you know Mm -hmm. so like we need that as human beings and in that scene too you know while he's touching him he makes eye contact with the vermeer Mm -hmm. right and then that's what kind of shakes him up right Mm -hmm. and it's interesting well at the same time this is him seeing a consequence of what what will very really will definitely happen to him if he continues uh, to be unsafe and and and, because he's dismissive of it and you know and it's it's one of those things that that he knows he shouldn't be so dismissive of but i think in that moment especially when the when the painting is looking at him i think he's having a moment of like you know if what kills me is ultimately me i can't live with that Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, it's like a moment. I, I think anybody coming into adulthood, the the hardest part about it is going. I actually have to take responsibility for my actions, right, regardless yeah. of my intentions. 
and you know and that that's difficult and and that's kind of a fucked up way that he moment where he learns that yeah, his quest and, for adulthood. And Anne pointed out, I was watching it with her, and she pointed out the next oh. scene when he's telling <laughs> when he's telling uh, the story to Wendy. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he was just he's visibly shaken, and it's because of mm-hmm. this interaction he had. But he's telling her the story, and he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, he just wanted to watch me jack off, and and you know, it was, and so, and but I don't know why I can't shake it. And it's funny though because that's a lie. Like, yeah. I mean, he's he, that's not what happened, right? Yeah. That's not why he's shaken up. He's shaken up because he had this very intimate encounter that revealed something to him about the truth of his childhood experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he has to kind of like package it into this lie of like, oh yeah, well, you know, he just watched me jack off, and yeah. well, you know, that, like, pa- he, that he goes just, into his image too. Honest, just yeah. like, yeah, he just wanted to look at my bod. You know, he has right, that right. image of like. Dudes think I'm hot. Well, yeah. And as you guys, everybody were, wants to. The only guy he hasn't had is with the guy in the Camaro or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And like that was a badge of honor for him. He and and that, he like, just and he he wanted he, to watch me jack off. You know who wouldn't? He can't be vulnerable. That's yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah, as you that. guys were talking about. Like he, this is a confrontation with like the danger that he might be putting himself in. He's seeing a potential future for himself, which makes him, rec- you know, sort of have to reckon with what danger he might be putting himself in. I do yeah. kind of think that's a lot of what's happening there. Is he's realizing that like. Oh, I only thought I liked this kind of intimacy. Uh, like now that I'm looking at what might be real intimacy, or at least just a different version of intimacy that has nothing to do with danger, I like. I think he realizes, like, oh, like I was creating a story around the danger, right? To make myself think the danger was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm point. now realizing that, like, oh, there are other versions of this that danger is not involved with. And maybe I'm not interested in this yeah. if there's no danger in it. It's almost like. And he's, then what does that yeah. mean about any of it? Like, mm. what does that mean about me and my identity and, and right. how I feel about it? It's almost like he's seeing his past and his future yeah. at the same time, yeah. like unspooling very clearly. Yeah. And it's just way more than he can handle. Right. Yeah. I think even in like talking about personal responsibility, an yes. even broader way to put it is like there reaches a time as you go th- into aging where you go, y- you out. It sucks that you have to outweigh the risks to the benefits. Yeah, like even as something as simple as like, I I can't possibly I c- I could probably drink as much as I used to, mm. but I'm not going to do it. You know why? I, I'm going to deny myself that because I just I want to wake up and feel okay. Yeah, I'd rather you feel know? okay tomorrow. I'd rather feel okay tomorrow. And it's like that's such a shitty grown up feeling to have in yep. the eyes of my young self. But he is having that there where yeah. it's like I I can keep living dangerously or yeah. I can keep living. Yeah, yeah. You know? And yeah. it's like you got to. Well, I think the devastating part about about sort of how this movie ends too, especially that it's happening concurrently with, you know, the AIDS crisis in the 80s and 90s is like, I I don't know how much longer Neil lives past the end of this movie. Right. Like, yeah. I, I, I would hope that he would then take me. I, I don't know if he's going to keep hustling. I'd hope that he uses protection, mm. but you sort of or but maybe he already has it, you know, and especially considering that. You know, he's he's raped right before the end of the movie from mm-hmm. who knows what that guy had, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it just kind of leaves you thinking like, you know, maybe this is it for Neil. We yeah. don't really know. And, and it's really sad, especially because you grow to love Neil over, yeah. the, over the course of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get the I get the sense that at the course that his life was going, even had he not crossed paths with Brian we were rapidly approaching the moment where he was going to have to have the same realization. Yeah. Even if just by sheer force of nature. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and if that meant him getting, you know, something permanent, you know, something was about to wake him up. And so yeah. in, in a way, you know, thank God for, for Brian, 
you know, coming through in that moment. Because mm-hmm. if he's not permanently damaged and you know, in a in a fatal way, then I don't right. know. I, I well, have a hopeful read on the ending. Well, I, I, think I his, hope he's going to be okay, and I'm just going to tell myself. I hope so too. <laughs> I mean, I think his interaction with Brian too. Well, well, first of all, I feel like the in terms of plot, I was thinking, well, why does this rape have to happen? And I think it has to happen to he has to hit rock bottom so mm. that he has reason to share this experience to tell Brian the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, it, it kind of works backwards too, because in order to, because that, because he was raped, because he had this trauma happen to him, that he has to tell Brian the truth in order to maybe derive some kind of a, to, to make some meaning from, from all the bad stuff that he had experienced. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like, well, I'm at my rock bottom, but I'm going to help this person uncover the truth about themselves in order to make this all mean something. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. too, that, that final uh, like really upsetting rape scene is important because that is the moment where, you know, he realizes the extent of his ability to control what he's been trying, like trying to take control of his narrative. It's forever. the first time in the movie, except for the beginning when, when he's not, in control. he's not in control. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's another scary thing about growing up, just knowing that like there are just certain things you absolutely cannot control and yeah. you're just gonna have to react or respond. Yeah. And like that is it's a very adult fear. Dude, and as that's soon as they walked into the door of that guy's apartment, I like perked up and I looked at Tori and I was like, Oh, that dude's about to pull out cocaine. This scene's gonna be bad. Oh, and yeah. then immediately he pulled cocaine out. I was like, I don't know how I knew that, but I oh. knew that that's what this scene was building to. It's just like again, yeah, again, yeah. just feed him. <laughs> oh, well, I have God. something funny to say about that scene that will hopefully lighten the mood okay. or I'm the worst. Garrett already knows where I'm oh, going. Yeah. This, like I halfway needed, through I that scene, this chuckle about halfway this after through the that movie. scene, it occurred to me that that guy was very, very, very much just Farva if he were a monster rapist. Who's Farva? From Farva from Super, Super Troopers? Troopers. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't know it. Well, then then I'm just going to put this out there for the yeah. viewers. If you yeah. ever watch Mysterious Skin yeah. and, and you need a little out. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it didn't pull me out of the seat because no. it's obviously yeah. horrifying. But it was one of those where everything he said or did had the exact same thought process as Farva. Like, my read on it was just like, thank God Farva is just a, a dumb idiot and yeah. not a monster. Yeah. Thank God you can have like a funny association. Yeah, yeah. And like he just kind of looks like Farva, yeah, he but does. he just kind of has the same, same way about him as yeah. Farva, except it's channeled towards really awful stuff as opposed to just being yeah. a, a funny comedy fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, I, when it was you, one of those where I'm watching, I'm like, fuck, I can't be thinking this. I can't be thinking yeah. this because it's the funniest thing ever. And this is like the emotional explosion of the movie. Well, ah! When the movie ended, Tori and I were like, like we were literally, so this is a, like, I think Requiem for a Dream is the only other movie that I could compare yeah. it to. And it's this, a pretty good comparison, honestly. Yeah, so it, I love like, that line. In, in this way, it was like, I saw that in college with like my best friend at the time, and we were just like sitting in a, I, I forget, like a common room or something. Yeah. And Requiem. It's a classic ended, college movie. Yeah, Requiem ended, the credits rolled, they stopped rolling, the DVD menu came back on. We hadn't spoken a word since the movie started. We still did not speak a word. We just sat and let the DVD menu run for like 10 more minutes. We finally stood up and we were like, so we just never talk to people again now, right? <laughs> like that's that's how this goes now. And that was like kind of the end of this movie where it was like Tori and I like really sat there for a few minutes and we're like, okay, all right. Like what do we what do we do with this? What yeah. if this is a strange it's just a you know, you get done with that movie and you're like, what do we say to each other now? What do we what is next? What what can we do with ourselves? So you wanna this? 
fuller out or something. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, what do we do? It's <laughs> like we just I don't know. And and but it it was then uh I texted Dan to be like, Well, we watched it and he was like didn't the rapist look like Farva? And like, <laughs> me and Tori exploded with laughter. Wow. That, that, like I was like, "Oh, we needed that. We really yeah. needed that." Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's other. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 a lot. Otherwise, you yeah. know. So that was your way of coping. He says uh, Garrett's text to me was that was totally wild. Christ. Yeah. Then I said, "Right, nothing like it." And then the next was the violent rapist at Brighton Beach was evil Farva. As awful and as upsetting as that scene was, I couldn't unthink it once I thought it. And I was stifling laughter the whole time. Everything he did was so Farva-y. And Garrett's response was, "Ha ha, God, fuck." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's we had, that was like so relieving to have that like moment of laughter. Well, it's a weird movie. scene too it's because a really upsetting scene. The it's, movie it's extremely upsetting, but the movie's not like it doesn't. And the whole movie is like this, where intense things happen. Yes. It, it's not your typical. It, it's not an Oscar bait movie. Yeah, it, it, it has. It deals with very serious. There's subjects, no. But there's to very, frame it beautifully. No, it yeah. confronts these things. Yeah. But but like the characters. I mean that that the Brighton Beach rapist yeah. is like. I mean, he doesn't act like a normal human. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's really just like Farva. He's turned up to <laughs> like you know, 180% in yeah. terms of, and he is almost comical. Like Iraqi almost turns him into a comic book villain mm. in a yeah. way. And a lot of like the quote unquote bad guy, even like the guy who bursts out a shotgun yeah, yeah. in the mm-hmm. middle of traffic. Like there's a lot of like, I don't know. There's just a sort of like heightened, uh, not quite reality to some of these scenes. That, it has that aspects is, that is, of trash to it, right? But not and it's in line trash. with the rest mm-hmm. of Iraqi's filmography. Yeah. Like it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Doom Generation at points, where it's just like, oh, in like the Doom Generation, there's a scene where you know they they cut off a woman's head and and, and it goes flying into a uh, you know into like a convenience store like you know chip. You just uh, sold sold uh, me on this. I'm movie. watching you guys movie tomorrow. <laughs> you guys should watch definitely watch tonight. You guys <laughs> would love the Doom Generation, where like and it's like Rose McGowan and James Duvall, oh, you know cool, from cool, Dying cool. Darko, yeah. and Jonathan Shea from That Thing You Do. Mm-hmm. They're like <laughs> no way, okay, they're just cool, like cool. they just go on a road trip and all like fuck each other, kill people, uh, behead people, Sounds shoot great. gays. And so it and it's and it has that type of vibe. Uh, yeah. That that little vibe kind of permeates some parts of this film, but Araki never like forgets that to like pay serious mind to the characters as well. So yeah. That's cool. I'm I'm definitely gonna check out more of his stuff. Oh yeah. I mean the, the strength of the scene I loved. The strength of this movie is the character work for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, not to mention just the yeah. I mean, just the empathy it has for them and their situation yeah. is like really incredible. Well, thank you so much for, for, oh, for watching, guys. I'm so glad we I could do anything. it. Yeah, what else we got? Um, I wrote down a couple. Let's, I'll just go through my notes. I've, the one line that I really loved, it was uh, just a great a great moment of show, don't tell, but it is in the form of telling. When he says, you know, the first time I ever shot my load, I was watching my mom with this yeah. guy. She was with this guy uh, who was what I would later call my type. Yeah, I, I loved, loved that, that line. line. Oh, that that was that, like, so well-written. Um the smash cut to June 1991 when they're shooting yeah. uh, the bottles. Yeah. That was just a great transition. Yep. It was one of those where I was like, oh, this guy's yeah. got a little bit of that like 
Like remember in the mid '90s when when indie actually meant indie, but it kind of became a genre of like yeah. indie films. Now yeah. it's like a, a broad term. Who knows what that means, it had so. that like indie feel to it. That there's I, that another I really good cut like that. As long as we're on the subject, where we go from one of their faces to the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as teenagers, we go mm. we go from Neil to Brian. Like they're framed exactly the same, so mm. that when it cuts from one yeah. to the other, they're and know. they're always right yeah. in your face. And, and speaking of the cutting, I feel like the this movie was clearly like probably a real challenge. To, to construct in the editing room, I imagine, because you're dealing with these two concurrent um, journeys that don't really intersect until the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But you have to, like, really keep us invested in both of their mm-hmm. journeys as if, you know, they're, they're parallel, right? Yeah. And I read that apparently, like, Araki edited, edited it himself on, like, Final Cut Pro on his well, Mac damn. or something like yeah. that. You know, and you can kind of tell a little bit there's sort of a DIY yes. spirit to the movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I could I could see a little bit of the shagginess here and there, mm-hmm. but... I like that shagginess, it works, though. though. Yeah, no, yeah. it works for me for in this movie. For to have so much uh, abrasive shot work, I mean, like, the, the shots literally grow as the characters yeah. get taller because it's from their point of view. You know, to have all this abrasive wow. shot work and really heavy cutting is something that can sometimes be so... Uh, intrusive to the experience that you're you're enjoying the style but you're not uh, massaged into you know being in the warmth of the movie and this has so much rock and roll camera work that never never puts that screen up you know it actually is inviting and i don't know i just the spirit of it is is really incredible like that yeah there is one shot uh the it's it opens when they're at the empty drive-in Yes, and I was going to talk about this. start snowing. There's one where it's from behind them looking at the screen, and they're just framed yeah. perfectly, uh, Neil and uh, Wendy. That whole sequence and was so good. Beautiful. That, that and then it so starts beautiful. snowing midway yeah. through. And that is like, that's like old-ass Hollywood schmaltz yep. done in the middle of this like muggy movie about yeah. trauma. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, and that's, that scene is the scene I think about when I think, when I think about how this movie is also a movie about like innocence and friendship and yeah. like, and adolescence and like the beauty of of connection you know because it's like yeah they, it's like they're the only two people in the world and they're in front of a film screen thinking about like what are their lives what would their lives yeah. be like yeah, if it was yeah. a movie and then something happens that only happens in the movies which yes, is right, yeah, right. the right. snow no, just starts falling out of nowhere yeah. you know that's what I mean by old Hollywood yeah, yeah. that's yeah. funny yeah. that's very funny I love I love that funny. scene I wrote that down as well <laughs> I also wrote down a line that I really enjoyed uh when Eric and I believe it's Eric and Neil are at the bar and this guy comes up and he's like can I buy you guys a drink and <laughs> oh, yeah, he I blows him off about. entirely oh, yeah, and then yeah. like uh Eric looks at him and is just like, you know, you didn't have to be a dick <laughs> about it. And he was like, I hate it when they look like Tarzan, talk like Jane. Oh, yeah. I, I loved, fucking love that. that part. And that is such a fucking, like, I'm a posturing dude line that he's yeah. in that situation is such a tweak on the, the way that that's usually presented that it just said a lot about his character, but I think it was just a really great sentence in of itself. That's oh, just a great that. sentence. There's that's also so a reference at one point to peanut butter peach pie. Oh my God! Yes, I know what that you're talking about. That drove Tori crazy. That she drove was, Anne crazy she too. She was like, what "I remember the fuck is peanut butter peach pie?" It's a, oh, that's a good question. Brian's, Brian's mom, mom says yeah. it. She's like, she's like, oh, I, I think it's is it when Marilyn Rice Cub's character is there? She or is it when her I, I think it's is when there. his sister is back in town for Christmas. It's yeah. like towards the end of the movie, like. Like, do you want some peanut butter peach pie? Yeah, she, she just makes some yeah, passing yeah. reference. Like, I'm going to make my peanut butter I peach pie. I didn't even notice that. And Tori was Even like, when you said it, my first thought was, hmm. Dude, <laughs> I know. I, I didn't think twice pie. about it. And, Tor- and like, Tori waited for the scene to end. Like, she let it all play out. And then she was like, yo, 
What the fuck is peanut butter peach pie? <laughs> well, think about those two different ingredients, yeah. like separately. Peanut butter and peaches. Yeah. You don't put those things yeah. in a pie together. Yeah, that would be kind of good, though. <laughs> we, we looked it I up. It's a real so. thing. Dude, it's like some fucking Midwestern thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, we, yeah we looked yeah, it up, it and the like... first result was from some, like, Florida blog. Okay, is it yeah, that yeah, different exactly, than yeah. peanut butter and jelly, that's though? A, that's a real terms Florida of a flavor dessert. profile. Agreed. Agreed. I eat a PB&J uh, every day. That's a good point. Too. That's it's a similar flavor profile. But you don't have peanut butter and jelly pie. You have a peanut yeah, butter but jelly I mean, sandwich. essentially, it is That's a, a form point. of a pie. You know, I mean, it's yeah. I, I gr- ever grill I saw a peanut butter jelly? Okay. Oh, oh, of course, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's not, it's not a far far yeah. leap for me. That's peanut really funny. I, I love that part. Yeah, um, I didn't even think. Of, yeah, you could come up to be like, you want a cat shit pie? Be like, oh, did you say pie? <laughs> oh, uh-huh. I love pie. Yeah, and then if they're like, it's cat shit pie, be like, oh, cat shit. Well, you know what? Can't all be winners. Let's get some pie. Love me some pie. Uh, well, thanks for bringing this, Andy. Of course, I, yeah. This was uh, it's this is yet another movie I got put on a list of movies where it's like I never would have watched it yeah. on my own. So thank God somebody told me to. Absolutely. You know? no, I also no have doubt. one one last note that just says Elizabeth Shue rules. Oh yeah, oh yeah, she's so. she's great in this movie, and she never correct me if I'm wrong, but she never like she never finds out like what she never finds out the truth about Neil, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 And and yet she's like a main character throughout the film. Yep. And I wonder she's a big if part she of his life. ultimately knows, though. You know, like I a think mother she might knows. know. Yeah. Oh, I think before well, the, we. Oh no, good. But she's so, so caught up in her own shit. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. But I do. There is something to. I'm not sure about this because the movie's not explicit about it. But there is something to the way that she says to Brian and what is their other friend's name? Eric. Eric. Yeah. She says to Brian and Eric like. She says something to the effect of like, "Oh, uh, he got mugged on his way to the plane." Like, there's something to the way that she yeah. says yeah. what what Neil clearly told her. Where it, at the very least, I don't think she believes him about what happened to him. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I, I don't know if she knows what happened to him, but I don't think she believes him about. And I think she what he she said. probably pretty early on caught onto the fact that he wasn't straight. Right. She. You know, I think she definitely caught on to the fact that he is a product of trauma. Yeah. And probably to some degree feels that she was the, the purveyor of some of it. But Maybe, yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. she understands that there's more to the story at yeah. all times. You know? That was that yeah. was the read she's I got like on that. Not the greatest mom, but like she's nothing if not savvy. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't survive that without being savvy. Right. Well, the interesting thing is that they both have mothers that kind of where their mother's personalities help to sort of cover up some of their trauma. Some of the oh, Neil yeah, yeah. and Brian's traumas, mm-hmm. like for example, Brian's mother is like pretty overprotective and overbearing. Mm-hmm. So you could look at Brian and say, "Oh, well, he's just he's weird because his mother is he's really a mama's boy. is overprotective." Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? I think and we you could look about... at Neil and say, "Oh, well, he's fucked up because his mom is an alcoholic and is and you know she loves him, but she's yeah. just she's drunk all the time, yeah. so she doesn't know what's going on yeah. in her son's life." Yeah. And there's that point where she's like. When's her ship gonna come in, baby? Like yeah. she, like because she has this sort of rotating cast of boyfriends. Yeah. Neil is like the closest man in her life, yeah. and he kind of plays the role of like a almost like a proto husband for her. Yeah. There's yeah. a scene that yeah. very explicitly shows them being like maybe a little too intimate. Oh yeah, for, like, they're snuggling on the son. couch yeah. at yeah. an age yeah. where that's not yeah. typically. And, seen and I don't yeah. think at all that she. I don't buy it. I don't think that they're saying like, oh, she no. abused him yeah. or molested him. But it's just like it's emotionally yeah. too intimate. It's emotionally inappropriate. Yeah. Like she yeah. depends on him for things that a son should not be providing a mother. Yeah. And the same thing Everybody's for Brian. Sad. You yeah. know. Yeah. So. Can we talk about Brian's dad? Chris oh, yeah. Mulkey. From Twin Peaks. Yeah, that dude. Uh, what's the story there? 
Well, I yeah, yeah. That's a good question. there's something I, more to that that I think is I, suggested. The movie doesn't explicitly go anywhere. Just, it might just be teasing so. their strained relationship. I just think, but he's at the a same dick. time, it just feels like. Yeah, well, I don't know. Here's I, here's what I'll say. He's Andy. got a the the Boeing ain't right syndrome about him, but it, it <laughs> Wrong it's self reflective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 very first scene with Brian when he's a child, where he wakes up, he's got a bloody nose. He doesn't know how he got there. The first thing we see is his dad on the couch being very dismissive yeah. of the whole thing. And my immediate thought was, oh, so he's being abused by his dad. Yeah, that was and my first thought, too. it wasn't until, and it happens relatively quickly in the movie, but there's enough time there where I was under the impression that that's what was going on. Maybe for 15, 20 minutes, it, whatever. Well, before they made it explicit that the they coach was involved, that they were I, yeah, the on same the thought. same baseball team. Yeah. When they make it explicit they were on the same baseball team, I was like, oh, oh okay, so it's the coach. You know mm. what I mean? Then, then I knew right. that that's what was going on. Until that moment, I thought it was his dad. And so then at the end of the movie, when his dad has that very strange moment where he just straight up confronts his dad, and all his dad is willing to say is like, I don't have an opinion on this. And like just throws his hands up and walks out. I was like, that's a fucking weird reaction to your kid like really opening up about like how he's feeling and about a very specific event that... I don't know. It just feels like I and I get it. Maybe maybe really and truly like he, he just sees a man that like to, he does not remember that night and he doesn't know why yeah. he's well, so upset the about reason, it. But the so he was supposed to pick Brian up that night. Right. Right. And and that's the night that he can't remember. That's the reason. Had he been there. Right. I think he said something about. So maybe like, he just feels. But if he doesn't know what happened, why would he feel guilty well, over it anyway? Well, you could I also think, argue that he that he assumed he knew what happened, but didn't really have enough. To yeah. point a finger, so but also didn't want to. He obviously has shame about yeah. the, the yeah. way his son he doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to find out. He doesn't, doesn't want to overturn that rock. Yeah, yeah and yeah. look at what's underneath. Okay, like, well, I, I don't that. think yeah. he wants yeah. another reason that he would shame his own son. because yeah. he would look different. You know, like yeah. he would just look at him different because well, oh, you sucked a dick or whatever. You know, like that's like there's a point. Yeah. There's a part where he says, um, in when when Brian is like recalling the trauma, um, in the end he goes like like you know. It started raining during the game. They yeah. they called it, and my mom wasn't. My mom was working. My dad was doing God knows what. Right. Yeah. So it's almost suggesting that you know that his dad was just neglect. It was a neglectful. Absent they definitely give him the shit. deadbeat yeah. vibe. Like yeah, yeah. But they don't really even yeah. explain their separation. Right. Either. They don't. He they just, just comes up to drop off the, the just, birthday gift. He's just yeah. separated. Like yeah, after yeah. the time jump, he's out of their lives. And and so I feel like. You could look at both Brian's dad and Neil's mom as being like, you know, neglectful in different ways. Like mm-hmm. Neil's mom is loving, but is just absent because she's drunk and irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And Brian's dad is absent because he's like emotionally completely gone and a dick and can't be bothered to like go to his son's baseball game. Probably because, I mean, God knows what. Like, I think at the end of the day, though, it's because he's a, a shitty dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 I think that. I don't know if he is aware that something happened to his son. I, I, he strikes me as the kind of guy that is just so, is just so absent from everybody's lives except his own that he pretty probably hasn't even thought about it. Yeah. He's probably just like my. Yeah, he says that line when his son's in the bathroom, like, or his son's in the bathtub. He's like, "Hey, you know, when I was a kid, at least you know I had trouble, but I gave it my all." Oh yeah, he's like, so I he wasn't just, some tremendous athlete, but he at just, least I fucking tried. He yeah. just blames everything on Brian. Like all yeah. the reason why you are the way you are, Brian, is because you fucked up and you're a little wimp and you yeah. and you're not a man. You know? Yeah. Mm. So I don't know. That's how yeah, I. Yeah, that's bought an interesting it. read. But yeah. I think I buy that. 
I don't know. You never know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, well, think, the I'm, movie, I'm not even I don't think the movie makes it explicit. No, it doesn't. You know, I, don't, I don't think there's enough there to... And I don't to, know that the movie is suggesting his his dad uh, abused him in the same way that Coach no, does. No. No, no. But, I, but I, I was curious how much his dad might have known. That's right. the thing is, I think it, really all we can say is definitive yeah. about the movie is that his dad was distant and yeah. their relationship was not proper. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any suggestion that, yeah. that he did anything sexually inappropriate. Yeah. But by the end, I, I see I would, that's this is why I'd be curious to watch it again. I, I almost read it, like I said, as the dad, like, didn't know but figured and was like, not even touching it. Yeah. yeah. Not even touching it. And at it. the end of the day, like, I think the, the whole point of, at the end of the day, we know that Coach chose Neil and Brian, maybe to an extent, um, because he knew that he could take advantage of them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know these are our troubled kids from troubled homes. Yeah, and he, you know, boom, there you go. Yeah. Now, what do we think about? And I'm always going to fuck up her last name, Mary Lynn uh, Raskov. Raskov. I think interesting. It, I think it's Raskov. And the Rice-Cube. only reason I say that is because uh, <laughs> she used to do, I think, a lot of UCB stuff. And I know her from Mr. I listened Show to, like, Comedy Bang yeah. Bang. So she's I feel a like I've heard training. Scott Ackerman say Mary Lynn Rice Cub. Rice Cub. Times. Okay, so that I makes think sense. That's what it is. Uh, is she just a weirdo who thinks she got abducted? Is she someone who was really well, abducted, okay, wait. or was she abused? Oh, I really want to talk about this. Yes, I really I, want to talk I, about this. I, goal, I, goal. I Somehow, this out. had never occurred to me before this movie, but I think this movie heavily implies that no one in the history of humanity has ever been abducted by aliens, and that is <laughs> always a story. Yeah, that yeah, is a be. very yeah. convenient story to tell as a narrative for your lost time, the probing that is done to mm. you. The fat, like everything, the trauma, ab- yeah. everything about it. I was like, this makes so much sense, and I can't believe it never it's occurred scary when you think to about me it that way. Yeah, that like maybe everybody that thinks they were abducted is just under a shared delusion because it's such a specific and right? easy one. You know, that sick. In my head, I'm going, oh man, I really hope that's not the case, and that beings from another world came over and put tubes in everyone's butt. That <laughs> right. would just be better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I love how like throughout the film, like Brian's. You know his recall of the alien thing uh, of his time, you know, being probed. You know, the beginning, yeah, it's definitely fucking aliens. But then yeah. slowly, like, well, that then there's a human hand touching he, him, actually, and then the drawing yes. of the alien. Go ahead. Here's what's very interesting, though. Did you notice that there? You do not see alien hands in his memory until he sees the TV special where she says oh, wow. aliens are what happened to me. He right. he is already under the impression that aliens are what happened to him. That is I what see, he thinks. Right, right. But, but he, he only remembers the UFO. He yeah. literally invents the image of alien hands and all of that yeah. the moment he hears somebody else tell the story that so that's what happened to them. So we don't see any of them. those images until then? That, that image cool. does not occur in the movie until he's already heard the story that that's what's happening. Right. He, and, and so I think the movie is implying that, I, I truly think the movie is implying that like, Everybody that has that story ha- has had some sort of trauma that is probably yeah. some sort of like yeah. sexual trauma, uh, and and it really could be any kind of trauma, and, it right? Be, it yeah. could be anything that puts could you be. in a state of yep. that, anything that's just too much but, for your mind to comprehend. Absolutely, yeah. but Aliens the, is a great, it's great a great cover. one. But the details, specifically in this movie, and often in in these stories, are of like a lot of phallic imagery of probing, right. of lost time. Like right. all of these specifics yeah. that come with his rape as a kid, and also like they keep coming back for me. Yes. They keep coming yep. back yep. for me. Yeah, that and makes so it's, so like, much it's sense. Like, it makes so much sense. I'm I'm one hundred percent positive. At the very least, the movie is implying that Marilyn Rice Cub was also abused yeah. at some point. Well, she's oh. got a crutch and her legs fucked yeah. up, so she's and had something. 
when he shows up for the first time, you see her dad looking all yep. sketchy in the distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You're kind of like, and she lives at home, even though she's, you know, she's like yep. 32. And she says something to the effect of like, he's nervous around strangers or new people or something. And yeah, why yeah. would, of course he is. Yeah. Like he, like he thinks that she's going to remember yes. and she's going to tell somebody yep. about oh, it. When she puts yeah. the moves on him and he like loses yeah. his mind. That is like some heartbreaking yep. stuff. But it, to me, it seems like and her trying to put the moves on him is coming from, very much trying to the figure same out, yeah. trauma, right. trying to figure these things yeah. out. And Just like what Neil did to yep. that kid. Yep. Absolutely. You know, real dark comedy idea. It's like men in black, but for traumatic situations. <laughs> right. oh my and what God. happens is, is like <laughs> someone's like, oh, I just went through this horrible molestation. And then they're like, actually, it was aliens. And they put on nebulize. their sunglasses and nebulize them. Yeah. And then like later, this person's like, I swear, aliens. Yeah. It's like a reverse the second men, in, men black. in black. show yeah. up and like, no, 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 uh, swamp cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, re- it's totally a reverse. Yeah. But yeah, I think. I think there, you're it's, absolutely it's right. It's like men in pl- men in plaid or something. But, <laughs> but also, men it's, in mauve. it's interesting too how willing Bright. It just goes to show how how desperate people are to escape yeah. their traumatic yeah. realities. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my god, you were abducted by aliens. Oh my god, I was too. Like, you know, and like, that's what I mean about the, the shared the aspect. imagery. Yeah, they can of, seek each other out. Of yeah, that. yeah, well, in the imagery of the alien hand not occurring until after he hears yeah. the story. He's so desperate for an answer to yeah. what happened to him and he's got this one little thread about the aliens and so as soon as it's confirmation yeah. bias as soon yeah, as yeah. somebody confirms that that also happened to hit them well then that's obviously what happened to me but until, I've been right this whole time right. until the shoes the drawing that you're yep. going to point out right well the and that's a gr- that was a great, great moment yeah. well, that, that like, starts to come but a- is that after the cow yes. scene cuz i okay I want to talk Tell about, me about the cow, cow scene. Yeah, yeah, I like how we're scene. like, we're done talking about this movie, but there's so much more to talk there about. There is. So Go the ahead. cow scene is where Marilyn Rice Cub calls him, I think, in the middle <gasps> oh, of the night. fuck, the cow scene. And says, I have to show you something. Yeah. He comes to her farm in the middle of the night. I'm right about that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think all of this happens in the middle of the night. So all of it is, like, wrong from the get-go. Yeah. She shows him this dead cow. She says something to the effect of, we've been finding these a lot lately mm. or something. She forces him to put his hand inside of it, which has Into already... Into its genitals, which because they, they cut off their genitals. Yep. Yeah. I think it says stomach. Well, No, I think Dan's no, right. She, okay. says, she says something to the well, effect of genital they, mutilation. They, they mutilate the genitals, yeah. but you can feel like the warmth of it or whatever. Yeah, something and, like, like that. And then says something to the effect of they've also been drained of their blood. Yeah. So, that's th- that cow definitely... It's not aliens. Like, we all know that, right? Right, we know that. So what the fuck did happen? Is she literally murdering cows and doing this to cows so that she has, like, an example and an explanation to, like, provide him? She could be. Or it could even just be, like, that was a dead cow that she found and and then mutilated. You know? yeah, yeah, it just is, like, it the, the fact that it appears the specific things that she's saying did actually happen to this cow, and we all know that there's no fucking aliens in this story, is, like, what did happen to that cow yeah. then? Is she, like, is she doing very strange, violent things to help uphold yeah. this story that yeah, she's yeah, yeah. telling? Well, I know? think she she it's also probably has some, some lost time as well. Yeah. Like, you know, like, she might be someone who's losing time intermittently still. Oh, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like, her dad like could Brian, still be abusing, and well, it's just escalated to the I point mean, where afterwards she goes yeah. out and fucks up a cow. Could, could be, or yeah. it could be what I think Annie's just yeah, like, similar to what happens to Brian, where he just passes out sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and or where he, I mean... Hey, it, maybe it just happened like once when she was young, but but people with you know people with severe trauma can still lose time at at, at any point and yeah, kind of yeah. dip into these sort of like you know like alternate states more or less. Um, yeah. But I think or hell, she could be doing it fully consciously 
and be so needing that story right. because to her at that point it's not so much about convincing herself right. but it's about convincing Brian right you know because she's she, finally found a right. like mind somebody yeah, she and, found and, and if bond she with can convince yeah. him of it then it helps her yes. keep this her story is more real and then yeah. while she can't be wrong yeah. while she's telling him to like for some reason you know put his fucking arm into yep. the into well the and that, i mean body. yeah by the end of the movie you understand why that causes yeah. a very traumatic right. flashback exactly. to brian yeah and she yeah. says to him i wrote this down to me kind of the the great line of the movie i, I saw she this says, in your review on letterbox yeah they just leave behind the hidden memories of what they've done which in a way is almost worse so it's basically yeah. saying like they don't they don't like you know tell you what happened. Yep. They just leave behind. And they don't have to memories. take responsibility they don't for take it. Responsibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that is literally what I and while we've been talking about the body versus the mind. Yeah. Like Brian doesn't remember what happened to him, but by putting his arm in the cow's yeah. stomach or whatever, he rem- his body recalls yep. his childhood trauma, which is why he passes out like that. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a, a breaking point for him in yeah. a lot of ways, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, because I think that is the moment that ultimately drives him to actually go find uh, uh, Neil, right? Well, I think I think he's already on the he's already on the hunt for Neil. Yeah, but at that point, I think is when like after that, his drawing of the alien right. has the bottom half of right. like a right. man with with uh, cleats, basically with cleats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. and and hairy legs. What, is it, what does yeah. Eric say? He's like, why is he wearing shoes? Yeah. and he says something to the degree like, oh, because that's how it was. Or I think like he says, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. I recall. But yeah, you oh, said you man. wrote down the closing narration, and I think we oh, didn't land on. Yeah, it. Can you read we, that? Because I forget. That, no. Yeah. Oh, I would like to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I didn't write it down, but it's on IMDb. Yeah, um, and it and it is a um, he does say something specifically to the effect of like and like we knew things wouldn't get better, but yeah, it, but it, it, it felt better right now or something mm-hmm. like that. He says, and this is also incredible shot. I'll never forget. Like the cameras. Their their couch kind of disappears into a it's out of you it's it's there's a black background how would you describe that it, shot they, well they just kind of create this like almost like theater esque tableau of just like a spotlight on on the two characters mm. and everything else is kind of blacked out and you have just this sort of overhead light hanging over right them and, and they sort of recede into yeah, the into yeah. the darkness yeah. and they say and Neil as Joseph Gordon Levitt says in the voiceover as we sat there listening to the carolers. I wanted to tell Brian that it was over now and that everything would be okay, but that was a lie. Plus, I couldn't speak anyway. I wish there was some way to go back and undo the past, but there wasn't. There was nothing we could do, so I just stayed silent and tried to telepathically communicate how sorry I was about what happened. And I thought of all the grief and suffering and fucked up stuff in the world that made me want to escape. I wish with all my heart we could just leave this world behind, rise like two angels in the night and magically disappear. And I and now that I'm reading that, I seem to I feel like I incorrectly remembered that line is ending with, you know, but we couldn't. Yeah. But it but it, it doesn't end with but we could. It ends with his hope for yeah. what they could do, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, just like a little we you know, it, it's a fantasy, yeah. but it's like a new it's a new fantasy to replace the old one. Yeah. A fantasy that acknowledges the truth of what happened, but also has hope for healing, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I hope he's narrating from some some better place. You know, like yeah. if he's narrating, so you know, that could just be his, you know, yeah. I could actually, narration. I, but I would love to think that he's like, I don't know, telling a, some high school kids or something. I really know, like, hope so. I, I could, uh, one of these days, so my one of my best friends from college um, knows the guy who wrote the book. Oh, nice. Mm. Um, oh, so, you know what? I would so like I to could, read I that should, book. Yeah, I, I, I read like a, a decent chunk of it and just 
stop because I, I tend to do that with books, unfortunately. But um, it's really good. I, I can let you borrow it sometime. I, I didn't love realize to. this was based on a book. Yeah, yeah. A guy named Scott Heim wrote it. Um, mm. It's it's quite good. Um, what an, so. just what an interesting plot. It, it's yeah. you know, and it's something that. Well, I think it's pretty autobiographical. Yeah, yeah, I would figure so yeah. much. But like that, it's just a it's a really great intersection of two valid, real, and thoroughly fleshed out reactions to this same trauma that are both believable, and to be able to integrate the two of them into a plot that's compelling and just a yeah. basic, you know, following a plot sense, right? And also, you know, really uses this lurid and and awful subject matter in a way that that one inch in the wrong direction off the tightrope becomes exploitative, but still keeping a stylistic flair without falling into exploitativeness. Yeah. It just feels yeah. impossible. I, I agree. It, it's really awesome. It's it, it's yeah. like incredibly remarkable. I think mm. it's yeah. It almost makes you feel like the way you're saying it, Dan, makes me think of 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 Brian and Neil as almost being like the same character. Yeah. They're almost like mm-hmm. a two headed Mm-hmm. creature with a shared past a shared life a shared a completely shared experience i mean not to 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 bring it here but uh you know our our boy m night Shyamalan has recently Ooh. been making movies well yeah he's spent his oh, career making time. movies about this idea that to the hero and the villain are born of the same oh, yeah, event. Yeah. There you the, go. Yeah. There, there is always the dark and the light. two sides of, of a traumatic event. Well, it speaks to know. this idea that I think people <laughs> often glass forget. At the end, it's just like Joseph, <laughs> Brian Lackey and yeah. Neil, yeah. Ma- Neil McCormick just like come out there yeah. at 30th Street Station. It's like, I saw a UFO. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Bruce Willis yeah. as, uh, as Brian. No, I think well, that but you it, can it do that because he it. played Bruce Willis in Looper. There you go. Oh yeah. He was <laughs> also in Dark Knight Rises where the superhero passes his cowl down a Upon him, <laughs> so maybe Bruce make Willis. Happen. So Bruce Willis and Looper is growing up. Neil McCormick. Yeah, gotcha. I love it. Yo, tight. I'm into. I'm into Let's having it there Time because that together. that puts Jet Motos into oh, yeah, mysterious yeah, yeah. skin, right. which we all know is a, yeah. a plus Teddy movie. Yes, yeah. no, but I think it speaks to this one thing that that is an an important truth that we all forget is that. You know, we really are born a relatively blank slate. Yeah. And there's a million permutations of factors that can shape a person and shape their experience and all that. And, you know, some people get lucky. Uh, some people get, you know, it's a mixed bag. It's It can be. And these two guys just had slightly different permutations of the same, uh, the same platter. And even they ended up insanely different despite this bond. And, and I like to think that it speaks to an even deeper bond we all share that it's, Anything could happen to anybody, and any result could come from it. But you know, we we are victims of our circumstances as much as we are of our genetics. Yeah, you know, and it's it took trauma for them to hit that same thing. That's like we're so different, but we're actually not so different. But like, I think we can all reach that truth to a degree. It's yeah. just I would hate for trauma to be the the right. uh, spark. I yeah. think in the end, there's there's hope, but it's not. A false hope. It's not like a, a Hollywood hope of, like yeah. you said at the beginning, Garrett. Oh, everything's fine now. Right. Like, like we we dealt with it. Yeah. And now everything is happy, and and we're in fulfilling relationships. Yeah. And we're about. And to I get didn't married. mean to yeah. imply that the ending is like uh, negative in some way. Like it quite is the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but, real. Yeah, but it's it's real, it's real yeah. in the sense that it's it is not necessarily offering a promise of a better tomorrow. Yeah. But it is kind of offering like, but doing this kind of work. Um, uh, makes a better tomorrow maybe more likely or yeah. or well, I think it makes it clear that they they definitely have a shot at happiness yeah. Yeah. and they always have but it's closer now because yeah. of this but it also makes it clear that like 
the chaos of life and the, yeah. the branding that trauma puts on you is something you're just gonna have to carry. Yeah, you have to but, lift but, that but weight that and work with it. Power in naming it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and yeah. power in 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 just other people. Yeah, in finding friendships. Yeah. You know, it's just. Things get yeah. stronger in groups. Yeah, right? I mean, honestly, one of the best things that happens to Brian in this movie is meeting not Neil, but um, Eric. Eric. Yeah, yeah. he's you know got a I mean? great friendship yeah. with Eric. Yeah. And that's Poor like, Eric's you can the one who gets screwed. Kind of he's just his, a nice boy. That's yeah. like his first friend, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. and it and they're so it couldn't be more different. But but Eric is just uh, such Eric's like a loving the least person. person to, yeah. Like he's never right. going to take anybody. Yeah. Right. He's very yeah. much a doormat, and it's yeah. And I loved that part though because like I mean that just reminds me of of the kind of friend that you make when you're like a freshman in college yeah, right? where you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, like I've never met someone like you before. You're so awesome. Like you're, you're, and I'm discovering parts of myself that I never knew. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all because I've met you. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And you're, and you're introducing me to things. And speaking of the identity piece of like him being kind of a blank slate, like just before he meets Neil, we see that he's changed his room around. Yeah. And he's like put up all those like, posters and he's kind of coming into his own a little bit he, it still might not be really him because it's almost like he's he's sort of pulling from eric's life quite a bit mm-hmm. but it's still it's something different than what it it, it suggests that he can change and mm-hmm. develop on his own you know what i mean well, yeah. he's starting to have that personality that he seems to have squelched down and is just this imageless yeah yeah, like, white. oh, maybe he could, like, you know, he can get drunk and listen to punk rock or shoegaze. Yeah. And uh, just those, like, little acts of rebellion that are common. He's got that, that, that great common. line. They were watching, like, a horror movie. He's got that <laughs> great line. He's like, is this really what you like to watch? And Eric's like, yeah, wait, you don't like this? He's like, no, no it's fine. He, like, yeah, 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 where yeah. he's like, he, literally, you realize, like, oh, he doesn't know what he likes. Yeah, he yeah. just, like, he's just I fascinated. I think he says something along the lines of, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, almost yeah. talking himself yeah, into it, but, yeah. like... Yeah. In the same way that we all looked at a gruesome horror movie, yeah. and at first we're like, oh, this is crazy. But it's by also, the end, you're like, how did they make that head yeah, explode? And it's also, it's not even like he's turned off by it. He's just like, I literally have no opinions. Yeah. I don't know what I like. I don't you know, know what to like, make of this. Is, this is new. This yeah. is a choice. This yeah. is an interesting yeah. thing. Or he's like, oh, that's how you live your life? Yeah. And you clearly decided that you liked this on your own. Like, right. nobody Yeah, this right. didn't find you're, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you found this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, my favorite part. <laughs> I was laughing at this when I watched it. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when neil passes out and he goes oh there's a porno in the vcr if you want to jack off oh yeah yeah. (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) just like imagine that 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 is a great moment because a it's funny and b it also reflects just like what horrible boundaries he has right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just like oh you want to jack off to a porno i got one right here but it's like his thing is like hey you get home from work you put on a porno you jack off well i I think that's the continuing sort of him always trying to normalize what happened to him yeah Yeah. oh without a doubt i I think that's what that is it's it's all of that stuff is like um what happened to me was normal uh but the only way for that to make sense is if it's also normal for me to suggest that you come jack off in my bedroom and there's nothing weird about that come right, on right it's exactly. so normal yeah you want to be cool like me it's what yeah, i yeah, do because yeah. i'm yeah. the coolest yeah yeah and there's that the moment porn's already in there right. where uh, it stopped right at the point that i last came <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah is this just a porno in the vcr I actually i used to off. do a bit about that in my early days of stand-up yeah. oh my i was god. like it's really fun i was like i found my dad's porn mm-hmm. i was like and, and it was really fun until i realized that when i press play on the tape it's just right 
the moment after my dad came. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, that's like, and like when you're starting off your session like that, that's a really uh, that's a bad place to begin. It's you just, don't. It's, it's do you want to rewind <laughs> or what? Yeah. Do I want to experience what he experienced? Do I want to fast forward and distance myself from it? Yeah. Do I want to make peace? With it? And nine times out of ten, it was I'm just gonna put this away and not jack off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. But I mean, you know, only half based in truth. I did find his porn, but I mean, the internet existed by then, so I wasn't yeah. gonna fucking watch it. Yeah. Would you guys want to do that little bit or should uh, that little thing about the young actors? I was going to say, I mean, we're we're at about two hours. Oh, we're yeah. well, I think we should we do can it. Call we can do lists, but we can go quick. Well, let's go yeah. quick. Let's go yeah. quick. And I, and I, I promise you that I'll go about, quick here. Oh, uh, we, have, we have to talk about this real fast. The funny thing that happened on Twitter. Um, I mentioned oh, that yes. I watched this movie yeah. oh, and Phil. said that having recently really loved Vox Lux, I was looking for parallels between... Uh, well, because I said I, I liked it, and then Phil Nobile, guest guest on the show, yes, editor in chief of Fango, yes, uh, was said something about, you know, made some sort of thing. I forget how it went, but I said I was looking for comparisons to Vox Lux, and then he referenced an old tweet that said, "Oh, you know, uh, uh, you know." He recognized the comparisons to Vox Lux, and the very first reply to that tweet back in the day was Andy. Uh, saying, oh man, I really wanted to watch Mysterious Skin. It's been a while. I've been thinking about that a lot. And it was right around the time of this tweet that we started having the conversation yeah. about doing this episode. And so the question is, was that the moment of inception when you <laughs> when when he tweeted Mysterious that it reminded him of Vox Lux yeah. and you responded? It was that the moment been. where you were like, we should do a movie movie? It, it might have been. I, I feel like I've been wanting to do it for a while, but I definitely might have been the moment where I was like, oh, I thought of this in the past. I'm going to revisit that. Hells so, yeah. I think so. So thank you, Phil Nobile. Yes, yes thank you. And for those who haven't, Brady Corbett, Corbett, I, I don't know how it's pronounced, the man who plays Brian in this movie, wrote and directed Vox Lux, which I called the best movie of last year. Indeed. I know it was on your top ten. Yeah, it's my number It's eight. a phenomenal I movie. I want to see it now. It's very reminiscent of like early PTA in terms of the verve and swagger that it has in, in its, you know, very very over the top style but i think the characters the way that they are just a tick short of cartoons and end up being very real and human as they are written in vox lux is something that i've only seen in things like mysterious yeah. skin and the connection They're, to the childhood trauma yes. and the adult uh compulsion to kind of replay that trauma it's very much uh but you know this is more about violence as opposed to sexual trauma but it's yeah. about trauma yeah. and and even the trauma of success. And it's yeah. just a really, really cool movie. And there are a lot of good ties to Mysterious Skin. Like, right. he obviously was at school when I he was making right. this movie as well. No doubt. Like, and he's just a guy who clearly, you know, he got into acting, but from the beginning probably wanted to. Uh, what I really want to do is direct. I yeah. wanted to keep directing because um, Vox yeah. Lux fucks. That movie is I so see fucking it. good. And I, real quick, I, to follow up funny, uh, to follow up Mysterious Skin, I decided to cross off a blind spot of funny games i saw that, oh man which, oh man what did you which think brady corbett uh, was also in just a couple years later uh i thought it was it Wait, was, was he in the original one uh the remake okay the uh, yeah remake. i thought it was interesting I, i've I not thought, seen that yeah. movie i, I mean, love that that's movie, a, that's another movie movie let's put it that way yeah. but yeah. It was, it's very unsettling to see brady corbett in both of these movies let's put it that way i would like to watch that again knowing it was him because i i only like half watched the american funny games because i had already seen the original <laughs> and it is literally shot for shot That's same director heard, yeah. just updated with Naomi Watts and Tim Roth and, and Michael Pitt too yeah, cool. um, and Another yeah but, I love Michael and Pitt. so it's actually like like perfectly yeah. casted yeah. but I would like to watch it again knowing what the deal is yeah. So what I proposed to these two gentlemen, I'll just, I'll 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 give the intro. That's cool. Yeah, that's fine. Was uh was that uh, for a sort of a, a list tie-in was 
what are some other performance, other breakthrough performances from from young actors where they yeah. sort of did something new for the first time or did something that kind well, of somebody's bro- got a big yeah. career now yeah. that someone had, who's, uh, yeah you know a smaller role back in the day that, right and not but not just like a oh did you know that Ben Affleck right. was in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a quick second but like you know where they kind of wait was he. He was, yeah. <laughs> if you if you watch it, he's one of the basketball players. Yes, oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, something where they kind of did something Please. to oh, I think you think of establish themselves. I think he was in Team no Wolf. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Really? I swear to God, yeah. Oh, I thought he was a basketball I, player in Team Wolf. And, well, no, I didn't quite no, do no, no. Uh, breakthrough performances. Where that's fine. But yeah. I did performances where I first recognized yeah. and went, "That's a person." Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I so, did it that yeah. way. So but, um, I'll, I'll go through mine real quick first. I was gonna say, why don't we just each go through all five? Okay, I you know, and I honestly don't have an order. I just started listing them. I I did. Um, so Ryan Gosling in The Believer. Oh, I've never seen that movie. No. He plays a uh, Jewish neo-Nazi. <laughs> Whoa! It's a really heavy movie. Whoa. It came out in like 2001. It's not a great movie, but for those of you who think that Ryan Gosling was like, oh, you know, The Notebook was his first movie, and and then it's so cool how he does like serious drama now. No, he was already doing pretty challenging stuff at the beginning. Yeah, like Mickey Mouse um, Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he clearly broke out with that. Another yeah. one is uh, Ethan Ethan Hawke in a movie called Midnight Clear, Okay, which uh, was like a World War II movie that came out in the early 90s, one. and it, it was like really kind of one of his first big dramatic roles. He had, he had done like kind of teen stuff before mm-hmm. that or like young adult stuff, but this is where, I mean... It's a it's one of my favorites. It's got a great cast. Um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Donnie Darko. I thought about yeah, that. I thought yeah, I could that. say that. Yeah. Uh, he was it's, in a couple you, movies. You before could also that, say but, Seth Rogen and Donnie Darko. Oh, for sure. You could. Oh, you could yeah. also say Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, you, and I mean, that was that you was could also a say Jake Gyllenhaal in City Slickers. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. He's and Billy then, Crystal's uh, kid. Yeah. I only p- picked four. My fourth was Denzel Washington in Glory. Yeah, well, that's where, pick, I mean, yeah. he got nominated for best supporting actor, but yeah. I mean, he—that's his movie, though. He carries yeah. it. So, yeah, those are my four. Like, you know, where those actors really kind of changed. They really made an announcement with those yeah, roles, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. And and since then, they've been building on it, changing it. But that's really where they're like, yeah. "Hey guys, I I can do something that's multi layered and challenging and interesting, and I'm here." Yeah, I like that take on the list. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. what you got, Garrett? Oh, uh, why don't we let Dan go first? Go ahead, Dan. Um, So I brought this up because right now I'm currently being just on a weekly basis, absolutely blown away by the acting in True Detective. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to highlight uh, Stephen Dorff in oh, The Gate. The Dorff. Did you ever oh, see The Gate? No, I've never seen The I Gate. Love, the Gate is one to. of the, the great, great, great children's monster movies. It is. And it's of a subgenre that um, we may have talked about this. Yeah. Little Dudes. Little Dudes. Like a whole bunch of Little Dudes monsters. I know Little Dudes. Little Dudes monsters yeah. are great. Freaky so, fucking Little Dudes. Yeah, Gremlins, yeah, Critters, Little Dudes. It's just Stephen Dorff and his buddy find a hole in their backyard that has demons coming out of it. And it's fucking great. And his buddy is like into Slayer. No, it's a, a Hungarian director. Named is it okay? Tibor Takax. Oh, right Why the on. fuck do I remember that? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I actually revisited that one last year for the first time since I was a kid. Speaking of which, that was like a sleepover fuck up movie. Oh, yeah. You know, when yeah. you were a kid? Uh, the, that movie ends. I'll just say the last line of the movie is Stephen Dorff saying to his friend, 
you're my best friend. <laughs> and I'm just watching that, and I just fucking melted into like a little puddle. It's, that movie holds up, though. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's just so fucking cute. There's, it is. Yeah. A, that's the thing is, Steven Dorff is adorable. So now he's just like, he's just a human cigarette. He's just yeah. like, but uh, there's that, a lot of really great perspective work in that. Okay. Where they cool. layer tiny models that are played by full-size people yeah. just by doing perspective. It's, yeah. it's really, cool. really well there, there are When I watch that again, as... All the terrifying moments that I remembered from childhood, still I remembered them viscerally as I was watching. Yeah, it. I was like, "Oh my god, that's the thing that terrified me when I was a kid." I remember that so well, and it's it still so freaked good. me out. Yeah, it's and it's freaky. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a this is a twofer, but um, it was about the cable guy that I started noticing that both Owen Wilson and Jack Black were someone to pay attention oh, to. Okay. I like that. Jack Black and, uh, also was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Was he really Whoa. Yeah. nice? Remember when he got uh, his arm blown off in the Jackal oh yeah, with uh, Bruce Willis? That. It's not I, a great movie, but like, honestly, that's an iconic. I think moment. I've only seen. Isn't that the opening of the movie? No, no it's midway through. Weird, Jack Black's the guy that sells him the remote control gun, and so he sends him off in a. Uh, Bruce Willis sends him off in a field to hold a pack of cigarettes so he can calibrate it, and basically threatens to kill him if he doesn't. And it just blows his I've arm. I've seen off. that, and that's the Gnarly. only scene I've seen in that movie. It's, I mean, it's a YouTube hit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like totally yeah. good. Um, I also have another twofer. Both Norm Macdonald and Bradley Whitford, I noticed, Ooh, in yes. Billy Madison for the first time. Uh, I, I literally thought, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. So I think Tori was like, you know, I like Bradley Whitford. He's like really good in a lot of stuff. I was uh, like, I know, Billy Madison. She was like, uh, what? And remember like, when yeah. he murders his secretary <laughs> in a fit of rage in that movie? And there's no way to sell that but for the weird way that they did. Yeah. Didn't one of you guys, weren't one of you guys on a podcast recently where you, you mixed up the... Someone was like, "Oh, you oh, pointed Happy it out Madison to us. and Billy." Or someone was like, "Oh, Happy Madison." It's because Bradley Whitford being completely on fire yeah, yeah. was all on my list of favorite stuntmen. Completely yeah. Oh, right, on fire yeah. in yeah, Billy yeah, Madison. This podcast, this thank podcast. you very much. And Some I remember podcast. you said something. You were like, "I think you guys called it like Happy Madison or, or Billy Gilmore." Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Madison. I think you called it Happy Madison. It's Billy Gilmore's like, long Billy... halftime walk, right? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Gilmore girls long halftime. Pat Garrett and Billy Gilmore. I make the, the Happy Madison. Madison mistakes so often that when you were like, hey, you guys said Happy Madison, I was like, yeah, I know. That's what it's called, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> ha, ha, joke's on you, motherfucker. Yeah. All right, I'll rattle these off fast. Uh, Sam Jackson in Goodfellas. Yeah, nice um, one. Just because you, you feel so bad for him right away. Yeah. Uh, John C. Riley in Heart 8. Ooh, um, yeah, I had yeah, seen yeah. that after I had right? seen Boogie Nights, yeah, but that was like one. about the time that I was like, this guy's fucking tuned into something. Yeah. Uh, Larry Fishburne in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, I um, love it, love it. But that was one or that I went back now. and was like, no fucking way, that's him. Yeah. But I think my favorite just like early role from an actor is Robert De Niro as the, the kind of goofy mechanic in Brazil. Oh my God, yeah. He's so goofy in that movie. He's very weird and he's very happy and he's yeah. just kind of a schmooze. But he also has like a very high sci-fi moment where he mm -hmm. like repels away on a on a zip cord and all that. Yeah. It's just really wild. Like he was already would... a really established guy yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point, which is interesting. In terms of my life, it was one where I didn't even know he was in it. And it's just like, as I know De Niro right, now, right. if I was casting Brazil, I would never even think yeah. to use him. And and he's he's brilliant in it. And he's only in a, a, like a pocket he's of scenes. He's got a couple of scenes. Just a couple of things, yeah. but... It's it's the it's the oddest casting it really choice, is. and it's just mwah, chef's kiss. It and works I feel like wonders. The first time, in a way, like the first time you see an actor, you're kind of like like I'll always think of Ryan Gosling as being like from the Notebook. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. you know, like like oh, the first, De Niro the first is always going to be Goodfellas to me. Like yeah, yeah. Pesci's sense, always yeah. gonna be uh uh what's his My name Harry Lady. Lime from yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Harry, Home Alone. I can't you know oh, that. Home Alone. Yeah. Well, because his name's Harry Lime because that's also the third man. 
Oh, to God. reference yeah, the third yeah, man. Yeah. There's yeah, a character. Is that his that, actual character yeah, name in Home Alone? Harry Lime. Yep. Jesus Christ. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so I think Dan and I have maybe done a similar list like this before. I, I thought that too, so I, but... So, like, I, as I was going through, I was like, oh, okay, that's pr- if I had made this list before... Why didn't we write down every I, list? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, if I had made this list before, I'd definitely put this on it. So I kept, you know, like, everything I thought of, I was like, if I had made this before, I'd definitely put this on it. So I was trying Whatever, to figure out, you know? like, I know. But uh, so I did finally come up with some ones. Uh, they're in a theme. You guys, you know, when, once I get through the list, like, let me know if you pick up the theme. So uh, okay. I, I, I started with Johnny Depp in A Nightmare on Elm Street. I knew you were going to pick that. I, I just, I, he's, he's so good slashers? in that. He's, well, <laughs> Glover? We'll, then, see, we'll, see. well, no, then it's Lawrence Fishburne in A Nightmare on Elm Street Fishburg? 3. <laughs> yeah, Fishburne in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. He's, right. the, he's uh, the orderly. Well, in but I believe really that's not here. Lawrence Fishburne. That's Larry Fishburne. I know. It, it literally <laughs> is credited as Larry Fishburne. Uh, Patricia Arquette in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's really good in that. Um, I'm sensing a theme. Yeah. Then in uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Breckin Myers in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I thought this was supposed right, to be these great are actors all, that we look back These upon. are all yeah, yeah. Friday the 13th yeah. characters, yeah, uh, right? No, no, no. Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Tom Arnold and Roseanne show up in that movie together, together as a couple. Well, because there was a novelty Twin Peaks at that joke point. in that scene, too. Like, yes. Whoa, this is weirder than Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's yeah. really strange. Well, yeah. they had that was their thing for a while in the 90s was let's show people how in love and crass we are together. Yeah. That yeah. was like their big thing. Farley We're and made for um, each other. I think Victoria Jackson used to play them as a <laughs> yes, character yes. on Weekend Update. <laughs> they did. In, uh, yeah. uh, and uh, for my final one, I have Rooney Mara in the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, oh, uh, right where on. she had her breakout role. I just made it a big Nightmare on Elm Street joke because I watched all those movies recently. Well, then we got to drop Crispin Glover in, uh, fr- uh, in uh, uh, Friday the 13th Part 4. Four. And I think. Wait, where's, also, you guys yeah, see four, the, where's five, the corkscrew? Yeah. Final chapter, yeah. 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 You could also add Kevin Bacon to the yes. first Friday You could also add Corey Feldman to the f- fourth also one, fourth yeah. Friday. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love that horror movies for uh, have historically Many been actors. Yeah. A, like a big yeah. first movie. They introduced for, like, uh, that actor David Cronenberg in <laughs> Jason X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> he's, he's the first person to die in Jason X. Oh, uh, I mean, a believable selling of having his arm cut off by a fro- falling frozen corpse of <laughs> Jason <laughs> that is brandishing a knife from the yeah. moment he was frozen. But you got McConaughey in a, uh, oh, in a Texas, Texas Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Underrated a, movie. That movie kind of rules. I'm, Phil Nobile Jr. loves that movie. That movie yeah. kind of rules. I have the DVD. We should do it. That I would mo- love we should to. do the whole series. That, that, is that movie awesome. kind of rules. fucking movie. I think that... I'm going to say that... I think like one person dies in that movie. I'm not Probably. even kidding. Like only one person. Um, People it, say it's bad, but I think it's, it's uh, definitely pretty all right, all right, <laughs> <laughs> Here's all right. the incredible thing about that movie is that it was like filmed in '94, but it wasn't released till '96. And if I'm not mistaken, Zell, Renee Zellweger right. and Matthew McConaughey fought to yeah. get that. They basically wanted it canceled. Like they yeah. didn't want anybody to see Their it. Their agents hit Renee it. Yeah. Zellweger had already been nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Jerry Maguire. Right? Yeah. Oh wow. Just think about that. Yeah. Like it's like this movie came out technically after Jerry Maguire. Yeah. And I actually thought about putting McConaughey on this list too. Dude, that movie yeah. kind of rules. That movie's yeah. it's kind of really scary. Like it's it. fucked up and weird. Yeah. Oh man, we should. Well, we got to get Pete on for yeah. two because I know he loves that. We yeah. should do them all. I, yeah. I'm actually I would love behind. To. I never saw the that Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh one. yeah, yeah. That one that's supposedly the the it's like the they, direct. They did a Halloween to Halloween with that one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's supposed yeah. to be terrible, but like yeah. I'm in. And cool. Jessica Biel, I think, was in the first remake. Yeah, yes. they did. Yep. And and even I think she said something on uh on a. Well, yeah, I think she's been like, you know, more vocal. Not a sh- 
not ashamed about her horror past, yeah, but yeah. more vocal about it. Like, yeah, that remake was fucking good. The sequel, not so much, but the remake yeah. was was pretty solid. If you're remaking, you know, didn't they do those Platinum Dunes remakes or that era? Yeah, they, they did a remake and then like ones. a prequel to the remake. I was gonna say, yeah, didn't yeah, they yeah. do yeah. one just called like Texas Leatherface? Chainsaw: The Beginning? No, Leatherface is three. That's that one three. stars uh, Vigo Mortensen. Oh, whoa, yeah. I actually, I I want to see that one. That's that's one of the ones I haven't seen. Yeah. yeah. That's Ooh. an early role for Vigo, actually. We could put, I should have put that on the list. But horror, for sure. I mean, Oh, it is like is, the is, genre where people get their start. Like, I mean, and, and that's, I think, probably speaks to just in the past, like, hey, we're making this movie on a low budget. Yep. We need actors. Yep. We, need, we need grist for the mill. Are you willing to grist do a nude scene? Are you, are you willing to get, you know, a knife through your head? Yep. Are you willing to, like, do some bogus, wacky shit, like, mm-hmm. and not get paid very much? Well, come on board. And then, like, boom! What do you know? Then a lot, a lot Trying of those actors end up doing some with stuff. A knife? <laughs> You're yeah. hired. Yeah. yeah, come on so in. It's pretty interesting. I'll give you twenty dollars. <laughs> I'm trying to think, but Halloween didn't. Aside from obviously, like Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, it, Halloween it, has uh, Paul Rudd in like yes, part point. five or oh, six, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. it's part six. Paul, no, Paul, Paul Stephen, Stephen Rudd. Rudd. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He is introduced absolutely terrible in that movie <laughs> like it's unreal how utterly now i i hated that movie that movie yeah. is fucking dog it's, it's shit garbage, garbage yeah. trash he is the worst thing about that movie. <laughs> and it's crazy because like sometimes he talks like this and he's trying to be creepy and other times he's this guy from new york yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. very weird what, what is up with like, like six. the 90s and 80s movies that like just cast every young person as if they were born in Brooklyn, no oh, matter yeah, what yeah. part of the country they're in. Because you're tough. Like, well, I was Josh watching, Hartnett yeah. wasn't Brooklyn in uh, H2O, but that is his end introducing credit. Oh, wow. And also it was sort of oh, his, like, you know and we'll send you on your way. He and, never quite popped as much as And wanted. you know who else dies before the opening credits of that movie? Oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Hockey skate to the face. Hockey skate to the face. He's dead. Then the credits roll, and he's one of the people in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> like, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who already died. Like, you know, that's like, so funny. What? Yeah. That's pretty great. You're like, oh, that's... <laughs> that's so funny. All right, let's wrap this thing up, boys. Yeah, let's do it. Andy, thank you. Oh, dude, guys, this has been a real pleasure. Yeah, so thanks so. for being here, and thanks for bringing this. Always, it's always fantastic to be here. Yeah, so, we love you having you. Uh, why don't you plug Baker Man and whatever right. other things oh, you got Baker going Man, on? Oh, Baker Man, we have a show coming up, actually, on March 30th. Yes. At the Boot and Saddle. Yes. We're playing with... Uh, Cross Keys. We're playing... Actually, we're playing with Josh's other band called Aspect Ratio. Oh, I did not know that. I'm sorry. Which is, sorry, Josh. Oh, it's all good? But cool thing about Aspect Ratio is that they are a film-themed band. Oh, cool. If you, if you couldn't tell from the title. Yeah. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's a two-piece. Josh plays guitar and sings. Cool. And then there's a drummer. Um, so it, Wait, it who's seems the drummer? Really awesome. I forget her name. Sorry. I run into her screening sometimes. <laughs> I know. I forget, I forget her um, name. We'll... we'll, we'll because I remember they we'll told me about out. this band. I'm so excited. I'm going to go to yeah, this. But yeah, but either way, I'm going to be there. And my friend uh, Jeff's band, Mesmeric Hayes, who are like a great, like, super psychedelic, Grateful Dead, mm. trippy guitar band. Cool. So, nice. I like and, that name. Yeah. So we're, so we're playing, yeah, Boot and Saddle, March 30th. And other than that, you can find me on Twitter, I, Andrew M. Elijah, and uh, writing stuff on Cinema 76 as well. I think the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do some, I every March I watch, uh, 
uh, Irish movies for St. Patrick's Day because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm a real Irish Jew at heart. Like yeah. Leprechaun. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna Leprechaun in the Hood. I mean, I would definitely. I've never seen Leprechaun a Leprechaun movie. Two, back to the Hood. I w- <laughs> that's what that's called. No, it is. I think it's called Leprechaun Back to. Or it, it might be. That's Leprechaun at least four or five too. or something. Uh, know, fair maybe. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but so I will uh, be watching some Irish movies soon. Just like cross Leprechaun them off my space. list. Yeah. Uh, okay. With Debbie Dunning, <laughs> early role from Debbie oh, Dunning. Jennifer Aniston was in the first Leprechaun. Oh yeah. That's true. There we go. That's All true. Right. And Debbie Dunning, who went on to be the everybody know what time it is? Tool time in oh. uh, home improvement. Ah. She replaced Pamela Anderson when oh, she yes. got her start in Leprechaun in Space. Debbie Dunning. <laughs> Debbie go. Dunning. Love it. Uh damn, where can people find you on that? Oh website? man, they can find me at home watching Leprechaun in Space starring <laughs> Debbie Dunning. Um no, you can find me uh where at uh Regularly scheduled. Pre- I just smoked. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Cinema Seventy Six. You can find me on Findy.com. You can check out the podcast I host. I like to movie movie, and I am at Dan Scully on everything: Twitter, Letterboxd, all that fun stuff. Yeah, we're all in Letterboxd. Yeah, all yeah. in Letterboxd. It, letterboxd. it is just under my name. It's the best. But um, I'm a Letterboxd junkie. Yeah, Cinema Seventy Six, Findy.com. Those are the two. Cool. I'm on Twitter at Philadelphia. It's with an F. Letterboxd.com slash Philadelphia. Uh, I'm on cinema76.com uh, writing some stuff uh, and uh, you can find uh, the show uh, at I Like 2 Movie it's Numeric 2 uh, on Twitter Facebook um, Tumblr all over the place you guys ever going to come out with your uh, Fast and the Furious episode yeah you know that I'm actually really I gotta talk to Kevin about that I feel yeah. like I, I never saw the file come through so if that I can really get that fun. file through yes yeah. we have a live Fast and Furious game show that we did recently <laughs> that we would yeah. like to uh, put and online that's probably a good listen it's probably fun yeah. what was that guy's name that sat on the couch with us besides Andy Oh boy, Kevin? Was, it might have been Kevin. He was nah, just a, he Keith. was a really good at it. It was, it, a, oh, it was a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was I recently found a, a subreddit called Stories About Kevin. <laughs> and all it is is just stories telling the people telling a story about like the time that like the typical friend that usually fucks things up or blows it fucks things up or blows it. And they're, oh, they're all, and they're it all just, ends with they're just called Yeah, yeah, they're just like that's what a Kevin is and yeah. it's just funny. Yeah. I it love it. Laugh. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, yeah, look out for us. We're going to be at uh, a bunch of uh, exhumed events in the yeah, coming months tomorrow and night. stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. If you're listening to this, we may have already hung out at an exhumed event. Yeah, we yeah. for sure did. Uh, yeah, anyway, find us. Uh, my name is Gareth Smith, and I like to movie movie. Andy Elijah, I like to movie movie. I like how you did that, just the name. Yeah. Dan Scully, I like to movie movie. And we all know that you <laughs> like to movie movie. Because, because we, we like to movie! movie!